When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Even before Florida Governor Ron DeSantis stepped foot on Staten Island on Monday, his visit created some controversy. Mayor Eric Adams sent him this welcome message on Twitter. Adams did not appear to take issue with the Florida governor's pro-law enforcement message. All of us believe that people should have the right to safety, and I support that, uh, and I'm happy to know that he believes that as well. But you have to back that up and not support the overproliferation of guns uh, in our country. Nearly a year after Russia first launched its assault, a defiant President Joe Biden vowing the U.S. will not tire in its support of Ukraine and democratic values. Brutality will never grind down the will of the free. And Ukraine, Ukraine will never be a victim for Russia. Never. We will stop the war in Ukraine, which would have never started. Russia never, ever would have got in there. And of course, one of the reasons they did is because the most embarrassing day in U.S. history was the horrible way they withdrew in Afghanistan. Amazing album, Unforgettable Fire, Pride, In the Name of Love, Bono and you 2 as we kick off your hump day Wednesday morning in kick-ass fashion here on Sit and Friends in the Morning. Good morning, New York City, 604, the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show in America. When I tell you it's the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, ratings for January came back yesterday. And um, <laughs> I've been doing this a long time. So have you, Lou. And uh, Don Imus, of course, who Lewis worked for for the better part of 30 years, is an all-time great, a legend. Right there, you write the book. I don't care if it's Howard Stern, Rush Limbaugh, Bob Grant. I don't care who it is. Imus is right there. At no point in Don's legendary career, at no point, did he come close to the number which this show got in January. Mind you, we come off a very, very good fall book. Very good fall book. Number one news talk, number four in New York City. But what we did in January, nearing an eight, by the way, (laughs) no one does that. Nobody does that in the mornings. 
We're up against a lot of big-time shows, WFAN, 1010 Win, CBS 880, and we annihilated the field. Annihilated the field. So, if you can't stand when I go on and on about myself, you're really going to have a hard time today. <laughs> you really are. better leave the country. I mean, the good news is we have like seven guests. I'm not even kidding. You're like huge guests today. Mayor Eric Adams, Kimberly Guilfoyle. You know, the list goes on and on. Huge guests. But you can bet your ass I'm going to find a way to include these ratings four or five times today. And if you don't like it, it doesn't matter to me because the ratings keep going up and up and up every month, every year. So clearly the overwhelming majority of the audience doesn't care. I'm going to pat myself on the back all day today. All day. Mayor Adams, would you say that's like a seven point something? Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> well, listen, it, it's, it's not just me, of course. It's Lou Rufino and Macedonia Phil, Justin Ellick. For, for many, many uh, months, Deb Valentine, now Noam Layden. I don't take all the credit. I just take the overwhelming majority of the credit, like 95%. I was going to try and yeah. give a number. It was definitely <laughs> yeah. over 90 Maybe 99%, you know. <laughs> but uh, I do have to give credit, too, to the, uh, the rest of the station. It was a good January for just about everybody, including Frank Morano. Frank did an 11 overnight, oh, an 11. What the heck? <laughs> I mean, wow. Frank gets numbers that are through the roof. I know they break his balls here about nonsense every once in a while. I know they do. But he does amazing numbers. Amazing. 11s, 12s, 13s. So I do want to give Frank Morano. Well, he's going to have to ton of cr- credit. credit some uh, William Shatner time. That. <laughs> yeah, that's well, all Bill Shatner. So, yeah, got to be so, Bill. So Frank, you and I. Will yeah. split. Well, Frank Elvis. actually talked about the ratings last night, too. It's not just me, you know. And we're going to play it because even though Frank talked about the ratings, he did talk about us. And anytime anybody in the station does that, usually it gets airtime on this show. So right off the bat, this would be uh, Frank Morano, Lou Rufino, cut number 25. Again, coming off a really, really solid full book. The unbelievable January that we had here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. This is Frank Morano from last night. A lot of that growth was driven by the morning show, and you got to hand it to Sid Rosenberg, a guy who has been shouldering the burden of this morning show masterfully. My understanding is the morning show did over a seven and a half share. Now, a seven and a half share is great in any day part, midday, overnight. In the mornings, that's almost unheard of. It's crazy. And that is the number one morning show in all of New York. And I don't mean the number one news talk show. I believe that is the number one morning show in New York in the category of 12 plus period. So congratulations to all of my colleagues. It is very much a team effort. A special congratulations to our owner, John Katsimatidis, and a huge congratulations to Sid Rosenberg. I think this should probably put an end to anybody that questions whether Sid needs a partner. I think we got the answer in this ratings book. He clearly doesn't. Yeah, we got the answer before this rating book, trust me, Frank. But thank you for all of that. The great Frank Morano, other side of midnight, who once again won the overnights with a rating of over 11. So today is Ash Wednesday. One of the funniest moments I had with Bernard and we are coming live this morning from the Bernard McGurk Studios, God rest my friend's soul, was a few years ago, I actually went to St. Patrick's Cathedral on Ash Wednesday and got ashes. And I walked up to the priest, who was a huge fan of this show, the Monsignor, the priest, they all listened to us. 
And I said, I'm Jewish. Can I do this? And he said, of course. So I walked around for the better part of three hours. I was living on the Upper West Side at the time. And, of course, we all know St. Patrick's Cathedral is Midtown Fifth Avenue. And I walked around for the better part of three hours on the Upper West Side, Sidney Ferris Rosenberg, as Jewish as it gets, Bar Mitzvah in Brooklyn, with ashes on my head. And at one point, somebody did stop me, a fan of the show, and said, wait a second, aren't you Jewish? And I said, yes. So what? I respect all religions. There was a time I was actually going to St. Patrick's Cathedral every Friday for like three months. In fact, one of the great baseball men in this city, a guy that was a legend at WFN and even did shows at this station for a couple of months at least, Ed Randall, I don't know if you know this, Lewis, but every Friday, who actually reads from the Bible and is up there on the the lectern, I guess, Ed Randall. And I've got to see that service, the noon service at St. Patrick's with Ed Randall handling it on Fridays about five times. Did you know that, Ed Randall? He's a very nice man. Very nice man. He's probably, like, praying for the Yankees to have a good season. (laughs) (laughs) No, at this point, he's praying for a place to talk about that. (laughs) Oh, oh, wow. Did I tell you I have a 7.8? Nice guy, though. Nice guy. (laughs) He actually does a lot, too, with uh, prostate cancer. He has a huge event every year. A couple of years ago, in fact, he honored Joseph Abood and Phil Sims. And when Bernard was sick, he would ring my phone, like, once a week, and... You know, when Bernie was sick, I was getting like a 1,000 calls a week, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. At one point, I'm like, call Carol. I'm sorry, but what do you want me to tell you? I don't know what's going on. So I just stopped answering calls and texts, not because I didn't care. I just couldn't handle it. And Ed got pissed off at one point, I think. He's like, will you return my damn phone call? I'm like, Eddie, call Bernie. What do you want me to tell you? Well, I want to meet with him. I'm like, Eddie, call him. I can't set up a meeting. At that point, Bernie wasn't even going outside anymore. But he's a good man, and he meant well, and he does do a lot to raise money. Don't forget, March 1st is right around the corner, and that is Prostate Awareness Month. Every year, my dear friend Stefano and his boss, Dr. George Pavlu, they run the biggest gastro place in the state of New Jersey. They stop in usually around March 1st, talk about that month. They'll do it again this year coming up on March the 13th. So that is uh, something very important, especially now with the passing of Bernard, that we'll pay attention to all this year. Is it October? Is it October Prostate Cancer Month or something like that? No, I don't remember. But at any rate, we will pay close attention to all of that. So thank you to Ed Randall for all the uh, work that he's done over the years in that particular field. September. September. Thank you very much. Yes. So Joe Biden was in Poland yesterday. And, of course, this is uh, after his historic visit to Kiev in Ukraine. And maybe I watch too much Fox News. <laughs> maybe I'm too close to the right side. When I say right, I mean direction and right and wrong. But for some reason, I'm not like Rachel Maddow. I'm not foaming at the mouth. This beautiful bromance between Joe Biden and Zelensky. Well, I'm starting to believe that, yes, maybe we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice but to keep giving them money and weapons and all this. Maybe that's true. There's just something so gross about this Biden-Zelensky bromance. I don't trust either guy. I really don't. 
I don't consider either guy a hero. I don't consider that photo op, that nonsense with the with the sirens in the background. We warned the Russians that morning, don't do anything stupid or a president is going to be there. So if you really believe that those sirens went off because the Russians were about to do an airstrike, you're somewhere between naive and stupid and closer to the latter. That was so choreographed, so staged, it's nauseating. So now I got to see this picture of Biden and Zelensky, and I don't know. It just it just makes me nauseous. What about you, Lewis? Are you are you like all caught up in this beautiful relationship between us and Ukraine and Biden and Zelensky and all that? Well, I I, I, I don't, you know the United States is really is going to stand with you, <laughs> and you know we said it, tomorrow is going to be a day of uh, you know we're right there, and the, the Ukrainian people are going to be are going to be uh, good. All right. <laughs> no, you, uh, I don't know. It's a horrible situation. It is rough. It's it is rough. it's a it's horrible situation. Yeah. You know, because I'm not forget about those two clowns. It's the 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 country is devastated. I mean, if you go. That is that's the real issue. I mean, there's babies being born in basements, hospitals are not even standing, nothing. It's just I don't even understand. Sounds it. like the United States. Yeah, that's but, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, sounds like New York actually. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. yeah. So he was in Poland uh, yesterday. I guess he met with the mayor. He's back in Poland. He's still in Poland today. He's going to meet with the NATO allies in Poland. But uh, he was talking tough yesterday, Joe Biden. He was talking tough. Maybe this this thing, we're going to be with Ukraine to the very end. We don't give a rat's ass about the people in Ohio. But the Ukrainians, we are with you to the very end. You need money? You got it. You need weapons? You got it. Ohio? Eh, never liked LeBron anyway. <laughs> I mean, this guy, they don't even pretend to care. You got Pete Buttigieg on Good Morning America yesterday saying, I'll get there at some point. I got to get my nails done later on today. I got to buy my baby some diapers. But at some point, I'll get there. When all the fish are dead, all the chicken are dead, and humans start to die, I'll find a way to Ohio. This guy's out there in Poland and threatening uh, Putin. Putin comes back and says, well, guess what, baby? For now on, I'm no longer going to uh, care about this deal, this treaty we made about stopping nukes. That's out. I'm your nightmare. Yeah, he is a nightmare, this guy. He is an absolute nightmare. But I do want to get to um, some of the things he said in Poland yesterday. Let's go to Joe Biden, cut number six. And then we'll go to cut number seven and then cut number eight. Six, seven, and eight in succession. Lou Rapino, the president of the United States, the imbecile in charge, Joseph Biden. So that's, what it's, that's what's at stake here. Freedom. That's the message I carried to Kiev yesterday, directly to the people of Ukraine. When President Zelensky said he came to the United States in December, quote, he said, this struggle will define the world and what our children and grandchildren, how they live, and then their children and grandchildren. He wasn't only speaking about the children and grandchildren of Ukraine. He was speaking about all of our children and grandchildren, yours and mine. One year ago, the world was bracing for the fall of Kyiv. Well, I just come from a visit to Kyiv, and I can report Kyiv stands strong. (laughs) Kyiv stands proud. It stands tall. And most important, it stands free. 
And I'll repeat tonight what I said last year in the same place. A dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never be able to ease the people's love of liberty. Brutality will never grind down the will of the free. And Ukraine, Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia. Never. Strong words there for Vladimir Putin from the president, still in Poland. Again, no one from his administration on the way to Ohio. But you know who is going to East Palestine, Ohio today? Not Biden. He's in Poland. Not Kamala Harris, who God God knows where she is. Not Pete Buttigieg. Donald Trump. Yes, former President Donald Trump. Trump, who for four years, like him or not, did one thing we can't argue. He put America first. And not the sitting president, the former president goes to Ohio while this guy is in Ukraine and Poland taking pictures and setting off fake alarms. So Trump is on with our good buddy John Solomon. Solomon is actually John Katzmatidis' buddy. He's a great guy. And Solomon asked Donald Trump on Monday night, when will the war in Ukraine stop? And you got to love Donald Trump's answer. This, Lewis, is cut number 16. We'll stop the war in Ukraine, which would have never started. Russia never, ever would have gotten in there. And, of course, one of the reasons they did is because the most embarrassing day in U.S. history was the horrible way they withdrew in Afghanistan. We could have gotten out. I was leading that, but we would have gotten out with strength and with dignity. So he says, basically, there, we between the lines, the war in Ukraine ends when I win in 2024. Because I was watching Janine Pirro last night on The Five, and she was kind of going back and forth with Piers Morgan. And Piers was like, look, we got to do it. We got got to keep doing it. Because everybody's saying this is like a blank check at this point. Blinken says it's not, but it is. Half a billion dollars every couple of months. It's a blank check. And Pirro's like, this has to stop. I've said the same thing. And Pierce is like, well, it's not going to stop. We can't stop it. It's too late at this point. Now, with World War III literally right around the corner, and you've heard a bunch of people on this show say that, including Gordon Chang just yesterday, with the Chinese and the Russians allies now, this is serious stuff. It's not a joke. Chinese and the Russians together blow us out of the water. I still believe, as woke as our army is, And we've got issues up and down with our military. One-on-one, China, I don't care who it is, we win. But you put China and Russia together, they don't kick our ass. They don't kill us. A lot of people are going to die. And now, once again, Vladimir Putin yesterday, he suspended this nuclear treaty. Because he's furious. He's actually blaming which is nonsense, of course. He's a, he's a madman. He's a, he's a psycho. But he's blaming the whole war on Ukraine on us, on the West. And it doesn't matter whether he's right or wrong. Of course, he's wrong. It doesn't matter. What matters is he's got nukes. And he's crazy. When you got these idiots like Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg worried about Donald Trump having the nuclear code, Donald Trump ain't going to kill anybody. Except for a couple of bad guys. This guy, Putin, will kill everybody in a heartbeat. This is serious stuff. There's no time to, to blare sirens for a photo op like it's a joke. Have Rachel Maddow crying on television. We got some work to do, folks. Work to do abroad. 
work to do here in our own country. Ohio is a mess. Our elections are a mess. New York City. I've got the mayor coming on today, and I warned him. And I showed all my guys the text. I showed Lou the text. I showed Macedonia Bill. I showed Justin. I texted Eric last night, and I said, listen, that tweet you sent out about Ron DeSantis, which was everywhere yesterday, I hated it. That's the word I used, hated. He said, fine. We're friends. We'll talk about it. We're allowed to disagree. And I love that about the mayor. I do. I love that he comes on this show knowing full well, right off the top, I'm going to blast him for that DeSantis tweet two days ago. And he's going to tell me, well, listen, Sid, you know, he talks a tough game, but let's get the guns off the streets. And I'm going to say, Eric, that sounds great. When the unicorn lands at Kennedy Airport, let me know, okay, buddy? Oh. Yeah, let me know. Because the fact is, is that Ron DeSantis has done a great job down in South Florida, in Florida. And while Eric Adams continues to do the best he can under very difficult circumstances, because Albany sucks, Stewart Cousins and Heasty and all these a-holes, they suck. The truth is, Eric Adams' results, not even in the same league as Ron DeSantis. And I'll tell him that when he comes on at 8.05. So, big show coming up today. Kieran Lawler, he wants that Cuomo name off the Tappan Zee Bridge. He's going to join us coming up at 6.40. 7.05, very entertaining Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7.40 this morning. We're going to talk to Colonel Jack Jacobs about Russia, China, Poland, the United States, and the possibility of World War III. Coming up at 8.05, Mayor Eric Adams. 8.25, Gnome's Nuggets with Gnome Laden. 8.40, the great Congressman Peter King. 9.05, Dr. Mark Siegel. What's really going on health-wise in East Palestine, Ohio? And 9.25, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Talking, of course, about her new show on the Rumble and President Donald Trump. The number, as always... 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Going to be an epic Ash Wednesday hump day show with me, Sid, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Sid and friends in the morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. song though so i'm looking out of the corner of my eye my my left eye here in the studios and i know we've told you this before but just in case you didn't know you've got these huge televisions in the newsroom where i see a gnome's bald head and a set of headphones and one of them is on cnn and one is on msnbc 
and I believe one is on Fox News. And then inside the studio, we've got one, and this is also on Fox News. But uh, the, uh, the, the screen to the far left, which, again, I catch out of the corner of my left eye, I see that the racist misogynist, as Tucker Carlson calls him, Don Lemon, or better known as Don Lemon, is back on the air this morning because turns out that the CNN boss who promised to clean things up and it ain't going to be this way no more and he fired Chris Cuomo, got rid of fat, stupid Brian Stelter. But Don Lamont is black and he's gay. Those are two big boxes. He checks right there. You can't just fire Don, even though he he's horrible. Everybody hates him. The ladies on that set, from Collins to Hollow, they despise him. The horrified look on their face. Too, They're the disgusted by him, <laughs> to, to your point, Lou. <laughs> But he can't fire him because he's black, he's gay, he checks too many boxes. So now they're going to give him some sensitivity training. I don't know. They tried that with Charles Manson. It didn't go very well. No, he turned out okay. <laughs> what do you yeah. mean? Like <laughs> He didn't put ashes on his forehead. He put a uh, cross. But believe it or not, there was a time when Don Lemon said stuff on TV that was actually smart. You can't believe it, can you? Uh, Don Lemon? Yeah, Don Lemon. I want to go back to 10 years ago. The year was 2013 in a land and galaxy far, far away called CNN. Don Lemon was on that night giving African-Americans five tips on how to improve their community. Now, when you listen to this, I want you to try to imagine Whoopi Goldberg on The View or Joy Reid on MSNBC saying any one, forget about all five, no, saying any one of these five things today, and there's a better chance that Joe Biden will run the marathon with my wife in Tokyo in two weeks. No, wait wait a minute, Jack. There's a couple, you know, I run, and that's where is, uh, that's, you know, it's, uh, you, you, you know the thing. So these are the five tips. For the African-American community, this was really smart. I mean, he nailed it from Don Lamont, courtesy of Tucker Carlson, 10 years ago on CNN. Take a listen to this and then look at the lemon. That's funny. Look at the lemon you see every day on the air now, 10 years later at CNN. The, the racist, misogynist reprobate. Don Lemon, 10 years ago. Black people, if you really want to fix the problem, here's just five things that you should think about doing. Here's number five. Pull up your pants. Some people, a lot of them black, gave me flack for saying that recently on The Wendy Williams Show. I hosted a special on the N-Word, suggesting that black people stop using it, and that entertainers stop deluding yourselves or themselves and others that you're somehow taking the word back. Now number three. Respect where you live. Start small by not dropping trash, littering in your own communities. Number two, finish school. You want to break the cycle of poverty? Stop telling kids they're acting white because they go to school or they speak proper English. And number one, and probably the most important, just because you can have a baby, it doesn't mean you should. You believe that, Don Lemon? For the black community, pick up your pants. Stop using the N-word. It's not funny. Stop littering in your communities. It's filthy. Go to school. It doesn't make you white. 
to be educated. And lastly, stop having kids out of wedlock. Just because you can. Those were five tips. And I have to tell you, all five of those things are true. All five of them. All five of those things lead to the issues we've got, along with, of course, fatherless kids. That's number one. But all five of those things lead to some of the bad issues we've got in that particular community today. That's a black man saying that. Ten years later, you would never hear Don Lemon say one of those things. Not one. But you know what? Congrats to the 2013 version of Don Lemon. How how can... How does that change? How, how does he, it change? How did he change? Uh, because because those it, were all great points. Great points, made, all true. If I saw white guys with their pants down, I, I don't even get it. Oh, I get crazy. I don't even get it. I get, and they do it. There's a lot of white suburban kids who, whose pants are down by their knees, and you can see their boxer shorts. They look stupid. They're emulating what they see in that community. And it just looks it looks bad. I used to play uh, sometimes back a while when I was playing hoop. I'd g- run up on the court and I'd see guys with their pants down. Like, how are you playing? How are you playing hoop? <laughs> they can still play, but yeah. But well, uh, uh, look at Phil. He's <laughs> down all the time. He's, he's like that. He's yeah. exactly like that. But that Don Lemon was uh, was almost smart. And ten years later, because of the media bias and the fact that we can no longer criticize. Certain minorities, especially blacks, all that smart stuff out the window. Charles Barkley has said it, too, and even Barack Obama. But you're never going to hear that today. Never. And if a white person says that, (laughs) good luck to you. That's terrible. Kieran Lawler is coming up next. Also, a first look at traffic with the great Joe Nolan. But it is time now on this Wednesday morning for the Tunnel to Towers update. CEO Frank Siller, my good buddy, is going to tell us about the upcoming Battle of the Badges boxing match. That's my good friend Pat Russo. Here's Frank Siller to tell us all about it. Good morning, Frank. Hey, Sid. How you doing? I wouldn't want to get in the ring with them. It's been (laughs) really 10 years since New York Bravest and New York's finest faced off against each other in the ring. The wait is finally over. And this time around, these incredible first responders are coming together to honor America's heroes and their families that have been left behind and to support the local youth right here in New York City. On Friday, March 31st, the FDMY boxing team and the MYBD boxing team will go head-to-head in the Battle of the Badges boxing match at Terminal 5. Proceeds from the match will benefit the Tunnel to Towers Foundation and the NYC Cops and Kids programs, which offers free mentorship and boxing lessons for young people between the ages of 12 and 21 years old. Is that my friend Pat Russo? Yes. I've been to several of these NYPD and FDMY boxing matches, and I can tell you that you don't want to miss it. It is an epic face-off, and it's called the Battle of the Badges. Go and visit T2T.org to purchase tickets, and you know what, Sid? I'm back to you, and thank you for your great support in WABC. You got it. As always, thank you, Frank. Once again, donate $11 a month for America's Heroes. Do it today at T2T.org, and of course, listen every Wednesday morning for the weekly Tunnel to Towers update with me, Sid, and my buddy Frank Siller. (laughs) 
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Mysterious ways. This is U2 Day on Sid and Friends in the Morning, coming off our 7.6 in January, a ratings number that very few morning shows ever get. Maybe Stern, maybe that's it. Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7.05. Colonel Jack Jacobs, 7.40. The mayor, Eric Adams, he'll be here at 8.05. That may get a bit contentious this morning. We'll see. We are friends. We'll see. 8.25, Noam Layden. 8.40, the great Peter King. 9.05, Dr. Mark Siegel. And 925, Kimberly Guilfoyle. That's about as good as a guest list as you're going to get. But we started off, we kick it off with a guy that I really, really respect and like. And so did Bernard. Man is an Iraq veteran. He actually uh, started the Vets in Congress deal many, many years ago. He's the pride of Poughkeepsie, lives in Fishkill, was a great assemblyman. Now there's a terrific podcast here at the station. Also plays a very mean third base. And that's my friend Kieran Lawler. Kieran, happy hump day Wednesday morning. How are you, buddy? Good morning. I'm, I'm Irish, so I'm loving the U2 music this morning, Sid. Oh, I did it just for you, just so you know. Thank you, thank you. Eric Adams is Irish, too, so it works out well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here's one thing about you that does annoy me with all the nice things I said. I've become very, very close, Kieran, with, um, I call you the pride of Poughkeepsie, the pride of Rockland County, and that is one of our four, four new Republican congressmen, Mike Lawler. And he spells his name L-A-W-L-E-R, Lawler. You spell your name L-A-L-O-R, which is Lawler, but you call yourself Lawler. Why do you do that? Well, there's two reasons. Number one, my people were so poor in Ireland, we couldn't afford to bring the W over on the boat. (laughs) So we we left it there. And the real reason is my dad was from the Bronx, and uh, may he rest in peace. But if you called my dad on the phone, he'd answer the phone, Dan Lawler. So our name was Lawler. Great. And it still is. Uh, you know what? Both of those are great explanations. I'm glad I asked, and I loved your answer. Uh, let's start with the big topic of discussion, and that is up in your neighborhood there, Kieran, the Tappan Zee Bridge, which has become the Mario Cuomo Bridge. And I think pretty much everybody loved Mario for the most part, for the most part. But his two sons, Andrew and Chris, are both 
horrible people, horrible. And now there is a huge push to get the Cuomo name off the bridge and go back to the Tappan Zee Bridge. A, what are your thoughts on restoring the old name? And B, where are we in that process? Well, let me go to the first part that everybody loved Mario Cuomo. The electorate in 1994 didn't love him so much when they elected an unknown George Pataki. That's so, true. And I think that's an important part. Of and, this, and, that, uh, that, that was, and that was our last Republican governor as well as Lee Zeldin did this time around. But yeah, listen, for the most part, not everybody loved him. Obviously, he was still a Democrat and the mob didn't love him either. But you would agree when he died, he did get mutual respect, much more than his sons get at this point. Oh, I mean, when you compare it to the Suns, yes, 100% better. And uh, bad on policy, but a gentleman um, and somebody who I think genuinely cared about the state. Uh, but the problem is that bridge was named in classic Albany fashion. At the end of the session in June, they put together a bill that has all unrelated pieces in it. They actually call it the Big Ugly. It's not even a joke. They just call it the Big Ugly at the end of the session in June. It's summertime. Everybody wants to go home for the summer, and they put all kinds of unrelated things in there. So that's how this passed. It was tucked into one of those big, ugly bills, a big omnibus bill at the end of the session. It wasn't something that was really contemplated on a, on a standalone basis. And uh, Mar- uh, Andrew Cuomo made, you know, made deals to get that passed and get Republican votes because Republicans still had the Senate by a narrow majority of the time. I think it was a terrible way to do it. Um, I'm not for returning it to the tap and Z. Um, you know, the Tappan Zee had its run. The, 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 the Tappan Indians, you know, they had a nice. Oh, I think we lost them there. There we go. Go ahead. Oh, I, I think we should name it something else, not not go back to the old Tappan Zee name because they had their they had their time. You know, that bridge has been so important in the last 20 years and that part of the uh, state uh, for military purposes. You have Stewart Air Base there. You have uh, Camp Smith not too far from there. You have West Point not too far from there. And so many who served overseas, post 9-11, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, who lost their lives, uh, use that bridge to get to their, to get to their yeah. training facility, use that bridge to get to um, their deployments. And I always thought it should be named, I wrote an article about this in the Post years ago, the Joseph Lem, if you remember, Joseph Lem was a New York sure. City cop in the Air Guard out of Stewart, killed in Afghanistan. I thought it should have been the Joseph Lem post-9-11 Memorial Bridge and bring in and honor all those post-9-11 veterans who served and those who lost their lives. That would be a perfect name. I think we could all agree on that. Uh, way better than Mario Cuomo, and I think better than uh, honoring the Tappan Zee Indians for another 100 years. How far is that bridge from Stewart? I'll tell you why, because my mom and dad, and my dad passed away, as you know, Kieran, a couple summers ago, but they split their time between Aventura in the winter, like most Jews, and uh, upstate New York, and <laughs> up by Kanyanga slash White Lake by Monticello. So when I would come up with my wife, Danielle, and the kids and visit, we would always go to Stewart Airport, which, of course, is in Newburgh. Uh, how far is that from the Tappan Zee Bridge? You mentioned Stewart a couple of times. Sure, it's about 35 minutes. 35, 35 minutes, okay. 35 minutes. Yeah, and, and you're right, the Army yeah. base is there, and you mentioned uh, these other spots. I would ask you this, though. Just because Andrew turned out to be a murderous, and I mean that, murderous scumbag as governor, and Chris is a complete embarrassment, whether you liked Mario Cuomo's politics or not, is it fair to strip the name of the bridge? It wasn't the Andrew Cuomo bridge, it's Mario Cuomo. Does Mario not deserve a little respect? I don't know that I don't know that any politician really needs his name on anything or her name on anything. You know, politicians spend other people's money and they get credit for spending other people's money. And then at the end of their uh, life or at the end of their time in office, we name stuff after them. I don't think that's a, a good practice. 
uh, whatsoever. Well, so, 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 so do you want Reagan's name removed from an airport or Kennedy's name removed from an airport? If that's the case, that should be the case for everybody. Well, I don't know if we have to remove the ones that are there, but I don't think it's a great practice going forward. But here's the funny thing about going back to naming it after the, the Tapan Indians. In New York State, Kathy Hochul came down with a decree recently. If your high school, uh, New York State high school, like the Mayapak Indians, which is a local high school around here, the Ketchum Indians, if you have an Indian name, whether Indians or something related to Indians, you have to remove that name in the next year or you're going to lose all your state funding. So here we are. We have Kathy Hochul said yesterday she's considering going back to the Tappan Zee name, which is named after Indians. But in the meantime, she's going to punish schools, uh, high schools in this state, if they have their mascot named after some kind of uh, uh, an Indian or Indians itself. So it's kind of an irony that they want to change the bridge name back to Indians. But school districts, which are strapped for money, are going to have to spend a million dollars to uh, cleanse their their sports programs and their uniforms and their hmm. football fields of Indian-type names. That is ridiculous. You know, Kieran, uh, not that far removed, about a week or so ago, Mayor Eric Adams is going to join me this morning coming up at 8.05, was up in Albany and talking about the budget, the budget that uh, Kathy Hochul put forward. And anybody with half a brain realizes that she's raping New York City, that she spends way too much money on nonsense and is not addressing the real issues in this city and this state. Oh, I don't know, like bail reform. Let's start right there. Uh, in my lifetime, uh, she's right there as one of the worst politicians I've ever seen. And not just one of the worst politicians, but callous and couldn't care less. Your thoughts on the governor, Kathy Hochul? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to believe this. But you could say she's worse in many ways than, than even Andrew Cuomo was. Um, she's, I think, believe it or not, less competent than him. I mean, she, her party controls with supermajorities, the Assembly and the State Senate. She couldn't even get her judicial pick through her own Democrat-controlled State Senate. Uh, she gave the legislature a huge raise up to 140 grand, and uh, she couldn't even get them to, you know, get the votes to pass her uh, her judicial nominee this year. So uh, not only is she incompetent, but she's weak and ineffective, and she's a liberal. She's very liberal, but those New York City liberals that control the legislature now in both houses, they are socialists, and they're so far left, and they're, they're controlling the state right now. And whereas Kathy Hochul, at least she's answerable to the whole state. She had to stand for election in the whole state. A couple of these really liberal socialists, small-time AOC-type senators and assembly members, they're answer, answerable to a little neighborhood in New York City, and they're calling the shots for the whole state, and it's hurting the whole state. And that's why you see this this crime problem related to the bail and discovery law that passed a few years ago that they gave some lip service to before uh, before Election Day, but nobody's really in Albany right now looking to fix it. Hey, Kieran, what does 105 look like these days? Again, I know you were born in Poughkeepsie. I think you still live in Fishkill, but... What does that area look like these days? I don't mean aesthetically. It's a gorgeous area, green and blush and all that. But in terms of economy and uh, just the crime, those types of issues, how does it look, your district, these days? Yeah, a lot of people think I was born in Poughkeepsie. Actually, I was born in a manger, but um, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say that on Ash Wednesday. Uh, Poughkeepsie, the Poughkeepsie, the greater Poughkeepsie area, the city of Poughkeepsie, a lot of crime problems. But you get to the surrounding towns like East Fishkill, where I live, Fishkill, Wabingers, those are good, solid suburban towns. Uh, a lot of people uh, commute to the city. Uh, a lot of people work. We have a lot of prisons up here, state prisons up here, uh, a lot of small business owners. So so we're, we're doing pretty well in large part because of our proximity to the city. And we have these nice towns and people go back a long way. We still have a lot of tech here, not as much as we did in the old IBM boom days when everybody here worked for IBM. But I think we're doing pretty well relative to many parts of the state, especially if you go up further north. 
One of my great Kieran Lawler memories was a few summers ago when I put together this celebrity softball game for my friend Hesche Jorgenbaum and had a bunch of guys show up that day, guys like Sean Landetta, the former New York football giant, the former Yankee Jimmy Lairitz, that comedian Jim Brewer who moved to Naples. He was my shortstop, and there was Kieran Lawler who actually came in to play third base, and man, did you have a gun. You're one of the best players I had on my team that day, so thank you very much for that. Well, thank you. I mean, I felt bad when I when I bumped uh, Jim Leyritz, uh World Series third baseman, out of third base. But you know, uh, you got to go with the hot hands. You had to go with the hot hands, Sid, and I understand it. Now you did do that. So tell us about this podcast you're doing now here at WABC. I I have to imagine a can't miss Kieran Lawler podcast here at WABC. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be huge, and we're going to have uh, Sid Rosenberg like ratings before you know it. It's called <laughs> Issues and Interviews. It's called Issues and Interviews with Karen Michael Lawler. We're going to talk about big national issues, the presidential campaign. Since I know where all the bodies are buried in Albany, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're going to interview a newsmaker every week on the podcast. Talking about the presidential campaign, Kieran, you have a, a favorite right now. You know, a lot of my friends, they, they go back and forth between Trump and DeSantis. They respect the Nikki Haley's, the Tim Scott's, the Mike Pompeo's. But as I've been saying for a long time now, we all know it's a two-man race. It's Donnie versus Ronnie. Where does Kieran Waller stand right now? Yeah, I think I'd say I'm one of those people that would like to see a fusion ticket, Trump for four years, and then uh, DeSantis. Uh, I listen to you in the morning, Sid. I know you get frustrated with Trump, as do I. I wish he was a little more disciplined. I don't see any reason to criticize DeSantis or even Haley, for that matter. Uh, it will help Trump in the long run. It will help Republicans in the long run if he refrains from doing that. Uh, so, you know, I'm for Trump, but every once a week or so, I read something that he tweeted or put on his own social media, and I cringe a little bit. And I want, I want more discipline out of him because I want to bring in voters. And, you know, every presidential election seems like, oh, we have to w- win this one. We're going to lose this country. 2024, we have to win that yeah. one, whether yeah. it's Trump or DeSantis yeah. or yeah. even Nikki Haley. Yeah, no, you said exactly how I feel. I mean, he's my guy. I'll no, vote for no, Donald we'll, Trump. We'll tweets. Yeah, his tweets. I mean, well, now it's his truth social, but. You know, I want 12 yeah. years. I want four more years of Trump to shut up. And then eight years of DeSantis. I want 12 years of Republican rule and stop this nonsense. One more picture of Biden and Zelensky. I'm going to barf. Anyway, uh, I love you, Kieran. That's a great job this morning. Congratulations on your podcast here at WABC. We are teammates once again, and I couldn't be happier. And, of course, as always, thank you for your service. All right. Thanks for having me, sir. Take care. You're the man. Kieran Lawler right there. Back. On WABC, that wraps up a tremendous hump day hour number one on Sitting Friends in the Morning and sets us up for a really entertaining hour number two, which includes Curtis Sliwa. He's always great. Bill O'Reilly's morning message and Colonel Jack Jacobs. Are we really in the midst of World War III? And don't forget the mayor, Eric Adams, stopping by at 8.05. Hour number two, Sitting Friends in the Morning on a Wednesday morning. About to come your way. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Unforgettable Fire. Talking about side two. This is the second hour on this Wednesday morning of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Kieran Lawler was terrific. Still to come, Colonel Jack Jacobs, Mayor Eric Adams, Congressman Peter King, Dr. Mark Siegel, Kimberly Guilfoyle, all in the program today. Now, before I get to Curtis, though, pretty hard to believe when I can wake up on a Wednesday morning in New York City and say two of the people that I agree with most on this legitimate East Palestine, Ohio disaster. And it's that. It's a disaster. Two of the people I agree with most are Rosie O'Donnell, <laughs> only Rosie, and John Stewart. But both, both posted videos and TikToks the last couple of days calling out the EPA, calling out the federal government, telling it the way it is. So I want to get to them Then I want to get to Pete Buttigieg, who should be fired yesterday, and then Curtis Sliwa. Let's start with Rosie O'Donnell on what's really going on in East Palestine, where, by the way, Biden, I know, tremendous Ukraine, Poland, uh, taking on Putin, beautiful. He ain't there. Harris ain't there. Buttigieg ain't there. You know who's there today? Donald Trump, the real president of the United States. Donald Trump. He's in Ohio today. Here's Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell play one of them. I don't care which one. I've been reading all the news reports on this horrible train derailment and chemical spill, toxic poisoning in Ohio, and fish dying and chickens dying and animals getting sick and people feeling sick. And then the EPA comes out with a very non-alarmist, everything's okay, don't worry about a thing statement. And it's infuriating. I don't trust the EPA. I don't trust them. After 9-11, I don't know how anyone could. 9-11, they said it was safe to go back downtown to the World Trade Center. And it wasn't. There was no cleanup. There was dust everywhere, toxic, horrible, cancer-causing. And they lied to the American people. I don't believe... The EPA. She's right. That was New Jersey Governor Christine Todd Whitman, who, of course, did that. Here's John Stewart, another helpless liberal, but just like Rosie O'Donnell, right on the money. Cut number 19. I got to say, I, I think one of the biggest hopes of this is to leverage. Someone's going to figure out how to use this as a political attack. And I think almost the best thing that the towns and the, the rail industry can hope for is to ride some of that momentum into change because that's actually how it's going to progress. So Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, was on ABC, Good Morning America, with George Stephanopoulos yesterday. And George was like, hey, Pete, fish are dying, chicken are dying, people are coughing up blood. It's a bad situation. 
When are you going there? That's your job. Here was Pete's response. Cut number 22. The mayor of East Palestine has said it took nearly two weeks for the White House. There were shouts of, where's Pete Buttigieg at a town hall meeting last. Uh, what's your response to that? When are you going to go to East Palestine? Well, I am planning to go, and uh, our folks were on the ground from the first hours. I do want to stress that the NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. But when I go, the focus is going to be on action. Look, I was mayor of my hometown for eight years. We dealt with a lot of disasters, natural what? and human. Lies. And one of the things I noticed very quickly is that there's two kinds of people who show up when you have that kind of disaster experience. People who are there because they have a specific job to do and are there to get something done and people who are there to look good and have their picture taken. When I go, it will be about action on rail safety, like the actions that we are calling on Congress to help us with, that we are calling on industry to take, and that we are undertaking ourselves as a department to help make sure that these kinds of things don't happen in the future. Liar. Lied about everything. There were no natural disasters when he was the mayor of South Bend, maybe a couple of potholes he had to fix. And then, of course, he's a man of, of focus. He's a man of getting things done, and that is the perfect segue to my next guest, who does an amazing job, gets huge ratings, 12 to 1 every weekday afternoon, and of course owns the weekend overnights here at WABC, a man that when there is a crisis, he does show up, unlike Pete Buttigieg, him and his people, for better than 40 years, the Guardian Angels. So Donald Trump is in Ohio today. The question is, Curtis, did you consider... Sending your folks, and I mean this sincerely, did you consider sending the Guardian Angels to East Palestine today? Well, I have Guardian Angels in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, I advise them not to drink the water each day in Cleveland, Ohio, every day. <laughs> I wouldn't drink it anyway. But let me That was a pathetic photo op yesterday with the governor, Mike DeWine, drinking water out of some old lady's tap in her kitchen in East Palestine. Well, I mean, give me a break. He's a whiner. He's a whiner. <laughs> but uh, let me give you a little constructive uh, criticism, ratings king. Uh-huh. You used Rosie O'Donnell, the 9-11 denier? Well, she was right, though. Uh, she was how, right. How, how dare she? <laughs> how dare she? She denied that 9-11 took place uh, listen, with Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda. I, I wouldn't play her on 9-11, but she was exactly right. Whitman told you the air was safe. That's true. People are still dying 22 years later. So, yes, for one day in one situation, fat Rosie O'Donnell was actually All right. All right, but call, <laughs> call Christine Todd Whitless, please, because she's witless. <laughs> and, by the way, don't you dare go to St. Patrick's Cathedral today Why? and get ashes. What are you going to do, a Bill Clinton who did that in Soweto in South Africa? You'll be... You'll be like Al Pacino and Devil's Advocate. Put your finger right in the holy water and it'll start to boil. Like no. Lucifer, like uh, Satan. Would that, would that happen if I did that? It would start to boil? Why, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that as a test today, huh? Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, my dear friend Tom Mango and Cheryl Klein, my two dear friends out of Brooklyn, Danielle's friends too, Tom Mango lost his mom. And we went to Good Shepherd Church. You know it in Brooklyn. Yes. Right by Bedford Avenue for Tom Mango's mother's funeral. And uh, Danielle was very thirsty that morning, and we're waiting in, I guess, the vestibule before the mass actually started, and she saw what looked like a water cooler, and she made her way towards it. She was about to pour a glass of cold water until she saw at the very end a sign that said, holy water. Exactly. That would have been a double <laughs> udiscraziata, although you would have had a quick bowel movement, that's for sure. <laughs> By the way, I, I see you bringing on the warmongers, back-to-back, belly-to-belly. Gordon Chang, war, war. Governor Chang, what is that? General Jack Jacobs, war, war, war. 
fueling the war machine yes, here? Yes. Why don't we play war pigs, right? Um, By Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath. <laughs> war, we need war. I, the industrial war machine. War, war, war. I can't believe on this Wednesday morning, he seized on Colonel Jack Jacobs. And you're right, I am. I'm preparing you because I think folks are not taking this seriously enough. We are moments away from World War III. So you're right about Jacobs and Chang. But of all the guests I'm bringing on, you don't mention the guy coming up in about 50 minutes at 8.05 this morning. Your friend, the man that beat you in the mayoral race, the By Honorable the way, Mayor Eric Adams. By the way, uh, I've been doing his job, as you notice. Yesterday I was in Astoria opening up the Ronald Reagan Republican Club and calling it Lexington and Concord as we're running candidates against AOC, all-out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, and come on, <laughs> how come no moderate Democrats challenge him in the primaries? Here's your guy, Eric Adams, refusing to name and shame. We're, we're going to stop the progressives. Well, why not challenge him in a primary? Why not ask, hey, where's your set? You, you talk, oh, yeah, what do you do? And ask him why when he went up to Albany with the tin can in his hand and he got Ugats, he got bupkis, nothing for charter schools. He said, no, no, we can't afford charter schools, but we can afford $4 billion for illegal aliens to put them up at the Holiday Inn on Rector Street in Wall Street. Ask him the questions. Come on, Sid, put it to him. He didn't mention anything about no cash bail. And plus, if you want to get weed, you go right across the street from City Hall. It's a place called Jungle Boys, where they're selling illegal weed like there's no tomorrow. And he's saying, well, we got to stop this. Man up and do something about it. If Rudy were mayor, you know that wouldn't be happening. Oh, God, I'm tired of hearing that, too. Uh, no one loved Rudy Giuliani more than me, and he's the greatest mayor of all time and the greatest politician of all time. But, man, we're 40 years from that. It's like mentioning, uh, you know, Bernie. We got good ratings back in uh, 2000. Well, what uh, I say? Who mentioned God. that the other day? That was DeSantis out in Staten Island said the city yeah, well, was in the right. best shape in the world when we had Giuliani and Bloomberg. Well, he's right. And that was part of my frustration with Adams. That's why the mayor is coming on today. and That's why I sent him a very nasty text, which I showed you it was nasty about his tweet to DeSantis. But to the, the point about the pot shops, page two in the New York Post reads, NYC's dopey dilemma. Eric helpless on pot shops. Totally helpless. <laughs> and every time... What do you want exactly? What, 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 is, what do people of New York City want Eric to do in that particular situation? Go in and shut him down. <laughs> Padlock him. Make arrests. Stop acting like, oh, I can't do anything. I can't do anything about uh, illegal aliens. I can't... He acts like he can't do anything. He's the most powerful elected official in New York State. He's the mayor of New York City. Act like the freaking well, let me, mayor. Let me ask you about that because you would think that would be the case. You would think that if you asked a little kid, my son, for example, he would go the mayor. But in all honesty, does he have more power right now, legitimate power, than, oh, I don't know, Andrea Stewart Cousins? I don't think he does. He has to use the power. He goes there and he gets feckless. And your friend coming up, Peter King, that Eric Adams Republican, I want you to ask him this question. When Eric Adams was up there in front of the state legislature, the state senator of Nassau County said, I understand, Mayor Eric Adams, you're going to be moving in illegal aliens to Nassau County Coliseum. And he said, well, you know, we are in negotiation with the leasee. Well, the I haven't heard left. anything. I haven't heard anything from Peter King, <laughs> from Bruce. I can't chew gum and think at the same time, Blakeman. What? What is it? Now, hold on a second. I know you've got issues with Bo Deedle. I know you've got issues with Peter King, Eric Adams. Quite frankly, outside of a couple of cats and Nancy, everybody in this city. Where is this ugliness coming 
from the Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, my friend. Because he, he does nothing. What? They're going to move in illegal aliens from New York City to Nassau County Coliseum. Peter King said nothing at all. He was on the other day on the roundtable discussion at 5 that he's often on. How come all of a sudden? And who, what did they give us? They gave us George Santos. Every <laughs> night we're going to watch this guy on TV. Well, you can't blame uh, Peter King for you know, George you Santos. You know, remember Rocco and the Godfather? Sure. Can yeah. Peter King find Rocco out there in Massapequa Park and have him find a pillow and put it over George Santos' head and be done with it? So this last brilliant five minutes from you, and it is brilliant, it does beg one question. Yes. Because now you've taken out like 30 people in a matter of five minutes. I know who you don't like. Basically, the whole city. Right. There's one more. I see. Oh, Keenan Allen. We're not going to name it back to the Tappan Zee Bridge. What? Are you going to have a name change? You're going to have a contest here? Put it back to the Tappan Zee Bridge. And don't you dare exceed to Scaramucci. Who is Utradito, who is Scalazzo, and have a sit down with Chris Cuomo because he's going to try to use you as the number one guy in the morning. Didn't I tell you that yesterday? Yes, he did. The number one ratings king in the morning. They need you, Sid, yeah. to block the removal of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo the first. Hey, Mario, I send him a deuce, you promise <laughs> And you what? Don't let Scar- Scaramucci do that, please. Well, I just may. But I think the bridge should be named the Curtis Lewa Bridge. I'm not even kidding about that. But now that we know you hate. Everybody. People would be jumping off in mass. Nah, you're a legitimate New York hero. Uh, outside of Rudy, you mentioned him all the time. I love Rudy, too. He's great. He's been out of office for about 100 years. Is there anybody, anybody serving in our great state today that you actually like? <laughs> Hello? Is this on? Her? Oh. Maliotakis. Maliotakis <laughs> in Staten Island, Brooklyn, as the congresswoman. It, she it, always takes a stand. It literally took you like 10 seconds well, I to wanted find to process one. that. Because, you know, I don't trust any politicians. You hear the promo before my show comes on. Here is a politician who says, trust no politicians. In the name of Ronald Reagan, trust but verify. That's what we were talking about last night in that story. And all these Republicans and all these Democrats are, yeah, we got to do something about AOC. Come on. The Democrats. Democratic Socialists of America. They never run candidates against them. They run in fear. Ask your guy Eric Adams. You're going to join Curtis in solidarity in a bipartisan joint effort to take out AOC, Caban, and the Democratic Socialists of America who want to take even more money out of the police budget, who want to shut Rikers Island, who want to turn our city over to the criminals. I say to Eric Adams, We'll put aside our differences. Join me in solidarity. Next month, he's our keynote speaker at the Ronald Reagan Club in the belly of the beast, Astoria, which is the homeland, the motherland of AOC, come on, and the Democratic Socialists of America who want to destroy New York City and New York State. Make that offer to him, Sid, and you can sit side by side with us in solidarity. Let's take it to AOC all out crazy. This is not going to happen. <laughs> what do you mean it's not going to happen? Well, if it's not going to ask him that. There's lots of good restaurants here in that store. <laughs> Where we go on Steinway right, Street? Come on. Hey, listen, we used to work. Uh, you know that WFAN for years was in the Kaufman Astoria building, right That's there right. in Astoria. Plenty of nice restaurants yeah. there. By the way, we could go to the <laughs> Neptune Diner, right, before he goes over the Triborough Bridge. Never call it the RFK Bridge. The Triborough Bridge back to Manhattan. How about that? I think, and I'll pay for everything. I think that the more we do these segments, and people love them, and they should. You're, you're incredibly entertaining. You're a genius. But the more we do these, I almost feel like 
I should charge you money. This is almost like a therapeutic session for you. You get to yell and scream about Peter King and Eric Adams and Bo Deedle and AOC and all the people you hate in this city. This has become... Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 7 by basically your psychiatric couch. And what are you, my shrink? Yes. What are you going to charge yes. me, like uh, $1,000 <laughs> an hour? You know, it's considered uh, it's considered a badge of courage when you live in Manhattan. Oh, who's your shrink? Who's your therapist? Blue-collar, middle-class people don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> Rich people, they love to say, hey, this is my shrink. This is my psychiatrist. Why, why don't you use them? Notice the difference between the rich and the blue-collar working class, which your guy, Eric Adams, is not. A blue-collar. <laughs> Yeah, with a $5,000 customized suit. Did you see him in Albany there? He looked what, great. What the hell was that suit there with the vest? I mean, my God. You know, you know, in the, in the days of Pablo Escobar, the Medellin cartel, he didn't have suits <laughs> that cost that much money. Ask him, who's his tailor? Where does he get these customized suits? How can he afford this shit? That'll be the first question, I promise, okay? Please, please. And by the way, whatever happened to Bitcoin, whatever happened to cryptocurrency, whatever happened to blockchain, he doesn't even mention it anymore because they're all criminals. Noon to one every weekday afternoon, all weekend long, overnight. Nobody does it like Curtis Sliwa and another amazing Wednesday morning appearance right here. Thank you, Mr. Now. Ratings King. You lead and well follow. Great job, Sid Rosenberg. <laughs> Leading the pack and we follow. Look who's talking, the great Curtis Sliwa, one of the all-time greats. The icon, the legend right here with me, Sid Rosenberg. A lot more to do this hour. Bill O'Reilly's morning message. Colonel Jack Jacobs, are we really in the midst of World War Three? And coming up in about 40 minutes, the mayor himself, Curtis Lee's best friend, Eric Adams, all right here on New York's number one morning show by a distance now. That's us, sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Thanks, Curtis. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, say goodbye to Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg as a national politician. The former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, has totally botched his appointed position in a vivid way. Is there any excuse why Buttigieg has not visited East Palestine, Ohio? He doesn't seem to care very much about the toxic train wreck that has created chaos in the lives of thousands of regular folks. I mean, this is incomprehensible. Does Pete have more pressing engagements? He can't go out there to answer questions from suffering people? That's nuts. Pete Buttigieg ran for president, got nowhere, then joined Kamala Harris as affirmative action hires by President Biden. Merit? Involved in bringing him into the administration? Absolutely not. He's gay, so we got the job. 
The country's pressing airline problems are being essentially ignored by Buttigieg, who keeps saying he'll crack down on fraudulent scheduling and passenger, and passenger abuse, but never does. The man is a disaster. And I say that based on his performance, not anything else. This is what happens when you hire based on political correctness. We need skilled administrators to protect us when bad things happen, not frightened, inexperienced bureaucrats. So it is over for Pete as it should be. He now joins Kamala as ghost persons. We know they're around, but we rarely see them. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Well, they blew up a chicken man in Philly last night. Now they blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk, they're getting ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble. Busting Want to remind folks? Go to the Spotlight Foundation for Dysproxia and DCD. The Spotlight Foundation. For Dyspraxia and DCD website right now through Friday night at 9 o'clock and bid on this man, Bruce Springsteen, on the E Street Band, the show coming April 1st at Madison Square Garden. You can bid on two tickets. One of my colleagues here, Doug Kisler, actually bid it on uh, two of these tickets. He's a diehard Springsteen fan, like me and Lou. Thank you, Doug. You can go and bid uh, on those tickets. The money, of course, goes to the foundation takes care of kids like my son Gabriel all over the world, a foundation that Danielle and I are very proud to have started years ago. Bid to win two tickets to Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band at Madison Square Garden April 1st right now at the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD website. This one you don't hear very often. That's why I love you, Lou. I mean, people will play Born to Run. They'll play Thunder Road. They'll play 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Even brilliant disguise of a secret garden. But this one, this is what makes you great. So thank you, Lou. Give me some more of this, in fact. Come on. All right. Been a uh, terrific show already. Kieran Lawler joined us at 640. Great to have Kieran back. Curtis Sliwa went nuts at 7.05. And now we have a really good run of guests. Colonel Jack Jacobs, Mayor Eric Adams, Peter King, Dr. Mark Siegel, Kimberly Gilboyle, all coming up today. Kimberly's got a new show on the Rumble. You know that thing, the Rumble? I think Dershowitz is on there quite a bit. And uh, she's got a new show coming up. She'll tell you all about it. And uh, she's very, very proud of her future father-in-law, Donald Trump. He is in East Palestine or going to East Palestine this morning before anybody in the Biden administration goes there. Donald Trump goes there. Once again, Donald Trump putting America first. Look, I've got really no issue with Biden going to Ukraine. I don't. How to get done. But did it have to get done now on President's Day? You got a town here in the United States where animals are dying. I watched a couple last night on Tucker. The husband is coughing up blood. He's a young guy. He's in his 30s. His wife is in her 30s, too. She's sick with headaches all the time, nausea, fevers. He's coughing up blood. 
I mean, the situation there is dire. And all these liberal networks, and I'm sure my own family, want to do is gush over Biden and Zelensky. Go to Ukraine, fantastic. Go to Poland, go out there and tell Putin we're not going to take it. Do all that stuff, great. I mean, it's phony and, you know, you don't really know the real reasons why. You think you do. You think it's about freedom and democracy, but you can't be that stupid, can you? You can't be. But if you are, great. Bathe in it, wash in it, love it. This is magnificent. This is what makes Biden great. I don't care. But you cannot make any, any decent argument to put any country before ours first. And the president is not there, but the former president is going there this morning. Trump sat down with John Solomon. I like John Solomon a lot. He's actually very close with John Katzmatidis, and because of my dear friend John, we've had John Solomon on this show a couple of times. They sat down together on Monday night, and Trump went into a whole bunch of stuff. In fact, this was uh, Macedonia. Phil, you love this. I love this, too. There are two, not one, Don Lamont, but there are two N-words you can't use. One, of course, you all know, but the other, according to Trump, is, well, let him tell you. Donald Trump, cut number 11. ...than it's ever been in because of a word known as nuclear. Nuclear. Nuclear is so devastating that we don't even want to talk about it. And that was a word that was never supposed to be mentioned. You have two N-words, <laughs> neither of which should ever be mentioned. <laughs> I said that once. I said, oh, what a terrible thing to say. No. You have two N-words. You know what the one is, but the other is the nuclear word. Not supposed to ever be mentioned. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> it's mentioned every single day now. Every single day they talk oh about, God. will this end up in nuclear war? We're on the precipice of a disaster, the likes of which this world has never seen. This will make World War I and World War II like baby stuff. Baby stuff. We have two N-words, folks. The second being nuclear. Here, Trump with John Solomon talks about weaponizing the government and, of course, the very crooked DOJ. Lewis, cut number 13. Oh, it's totally been weaponized with these prosecutors. They've been going after me for years. Uh, prosecutors that are Democrats, radical left. And by the way, the higher my poll numbers go, the harder they come at me. And you see it right now. They, ha- they have a total Trump hater. Looking at the document hoax, it's a hoax. Obama took documents all over the place. And, and, you know, if you take a look at Obama and Biden and you take a look at all of them, including Jimmy Carter, and we wish him well, but everybody took documents. It's a hoax. And nobody has a problem, but they come after me. And the reason they come after me, because I'm leading everybody by so much. And what they've done is weaponize the justice system. And it's a disgrace. Never has our country had anything like what's going on right now. And it wouldn't be a Donald Trump interview without him taking a shot at DeSantis and everybody else. So we'll finish up this specific segment with Donald Trump and John Solomon Lewis, cut number 14. My numbers have shot up in the last few weeks. And Ron DeSanctimonious, I mean, his numbers have really crashed. Because, you know, they're seeing he was against Social Security. He was against Medicare. A little things like that. That's not too good. Carl, if you think Carl Rove was one of the people he looks up to, Carl Rove, Carl Rove has not been good for the Republican Party, and he's led a lot of failed campaigns. But Paul Ryan 
is another one that he likes a lot. Paul Ryan, that's a beauty. And Jeb, of course. So, you know, when you look at him, uh, you have Club for No Growth, and that's uh, one of the groups that is, I guess, backing him. I don't know if they're backing him, but we'll see what happens. But people have to know this, and I, I notice that his numbers have cratered. So I'll tell you what, this EPA administrator who drank the water with the wine yesterday, the wine, I should say, at that lady's house in Ohio, he's on CNN right now. Michael Regan can't trust him, can't trust Pete Buttigieg, can't trust uh, Norfolk Southern, the company who actually had the derailment. You can't trust anybody but the man who's on his way. And I hope Bo Deedle and Peter King are both listening. The man who's on his way to East Palestine this morning is that guy, Donald Trump. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. in your side I'll wait for you Slide of hand and twist of fate On a bed of nails she makes me wait And I wait without you With or without you You two day here on Sitting Friends in the Morning, with or without you. My next guest is a true American hero, in fact, received the Medal of Honor for his actions in Vietnam. He's a retired colonel, United States Army. He's done a lot over the years with NBC, MSNBC, but he was on with us just a couple of weeks ago on the remembrance of the 50-year anniversary when the Vietnam War ended. And he was so good that I had to bring him back right away. And with all that's going on in Russia and China and Poland and all over the world, I couldn't think of a better guy to discuss it than American hero Colonel Jack Jacobs. Colonel Jack, how are you this morning, buddy? Uh, very well for an old man, but thanks for having me on the program, Sid. <laughs> you're not old at all. You're, you're young and feisty and exactly what America needs to listen to every morning. So, Jack, let's get right to it. You know, I got these, uh, my sister, she's a liberal, and uh, Rachel Maddow on television last night, and they're gushing, gushing over this beautiful photo of Biden and Zelensky as the sirens, which were not real, that was choreographed, are blaring in the background. And what they don't seem to understand is, although that is going on, and they're crying because they think it's so beautiful, there's a serious deal going on right now. Like, World War III is moments away, and that means nukes. So I would advise these people to stop gushing and start paying attention to just how serious this situation is. What do you think? Well, it's a very difficult situation to be sure. Uh, the Russians originally thought they'd be able to take the place over in about two seconds uh, for a wide variety of reasons, including uh, Russian ineptitude on the ground, its inability to use all of its forces properly, poor leadership on the ground among the Russians, the feistiness of the of the Ukrainians, um, and a host of other things. That didn't happen. Now, they've pretty much settled in for the long haul. The Russians have resorted to their uh, their default use of weapons, and that is indirect fire, 
artillery, uh, missiles, uh, drones, and so on to attack uh, Russian infrastructure and cities. And the Ukrainians are waiting to get some weapons so that they think they might be able to counterattack, although that's going to be extremely difficult to do as well. Uh, the Russians are arrayed mostly across a river, and you always need a three-to-one advantage if you're going to attack an entrenched enemy, and lots more if you've got to cross the river first. So I think the expectation that this is going to be a long, drawn-out affair where people are shooting each other with indirect fire, that's, that's something that we, uh, we, we probably are going to assume is correct. And that leaves what, uh, the question about what, uh, what Putin's going to do um, I've always said that because they've used chemical weapons before, uh, that's probably going to portend that they might, in a difficult situation, use chemical weapons again. So these are difficult times for both sides. And uh, because of the internal problems inside Russia, you got the guy who's running uh, the Wagner Group is standing up to Putin and trying to make a play himself for some control inside Russia. Because of all that, there's dysfunction, and dysfunction frequently results in uh, in catastrophic consequences. Yeah. People tend to do things they otherwise wouldn't do in situations like that. No, you're right, and on top of that, Putin's crazy anyway. So you combine those yeah. two things, and it's dangerous, Colonel Jack. Now, to your point, he has used chemical weapons before. Yesterday he said, I am suspending the nuclear treaty with the United States, which, of course, makes uh, United States folks scared to death because he's got the nukes. Now, Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio feel like it's more like him posturing. But well, like what you just said, you combine the fact that he's desperate, he's crazy, he's used chemical weapons before. So do you think suspending this nuclear treaty really may, really may be, I should say, step one in him actually using nuclear weapons? I think it's unlikely, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. One of the interesting things to remember is that though he said he's going to stop participating, uh, the, they have, the Russians have not permitted any of the inspections for a long time, any of the inspections that are required by the treaty. So it, this has been some time in coming. Uh, and it's not surprising that they would do that. The question is, if they were going to use nuclear weapons, what kind would they use and to what end? And the only thing that comes immediately to mind is the use of tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, nobody's used them before. Uh, only The only nuclear weapons have been used as strategic nuclear weapons, and we use them uh, to end the Second World War. It's, it's unlikely that nuclear weapons... Uh, would be used because of the because of the line that it crosses. But yeah, but, but let me stop you for a second. You just said something very interesting. What you, yeah, but you said something very interesting. So we used two nuclear bombs, like you said, in Japan, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, to end World War II. Now you're talking about a different type of nuclear weapon. What is the difference? Which one's more deadly? What is the main difference between the ones we use in Japan and the one you mentioned just now? Well, they're all deadly, but you could argue that the use of tactical nuclear weapons in many respects is far more deadly because it will mean that escalation to strategic, large-scale strategic nuclear weapons is more likely, and that would be devastating. So that's why I think that people are going to shy, shy away from using nuclear weapons of any kind. I think it's interesting to note that when I came into the Army in 1966, 
there were tactical nuclear weapons down at battalion level. Battalion has about, you know, six, 700 troops. So we have young sergeants using sm- very small nuclear weapons on the battlefield trained to do that. Well, we took them out of, we took them away so that people don't have nuclear weapons down at the tactical level. But those of us who spent a lot of time in the the military studied the use of tactical nuclear weapons to deny areas to the enemy, to destroy enemy formations and so on. That's not part of the, that's not part of the doctrine anymore. And the, the objective is to not use nuclear weapons of any kind, tactical, the little ones, or strategic, the big ones, because it would be devastating for absolutely everybody. Which, mm. And I'll say it again, that means that it makes, the, it makes Russia's use of chemical weapons much more likely. Mm. If he gets into a pickle, I would be surprised if he doesn't use them. Sir. Medal of Honor recipient Colonel Jack Jacobs. So we're talking about what Putin's going to do and how the Ukrainians defend themselves, but Americans want to know, what are we going to do? There are folks like Janine Pirro and even me who have said, this is way too much. We're giving them way too much money, too much weaponry. Others say, Sid, we don't have a choice. If we don't do it, then the possibility of World War III looms even larger. You got a blank check. Tony Blinken said yesterday it's not a blanket check, but it is a blank check because every couple of months, another half a billion, another half a billion. What is the right answer here? Are we basically in bed now forever with these guys until this war ends? Well, the decision to provide money in arms is a political decision. Every It was Clausewitz who said that war is politics by other means, and this is certainly one example of it. I think the NATO's decide and the United States has decided uh, that the that particularly the European allies are so concerned about uh, this, about Russia moving into their area, not just in their neighborhood, but moving in to NATO areas that, uh, that uh, it's, everybody is willing to make a stand and it almost doesn't matter what cost it is. We, we've printed money for a long time. We have inflation now, not because we sent, we bought arms to send over to the Ukraines. We've got inflation now for a wide variety of domestic reasons, money that we've decided to spend and have spent and will spend on things that run the tab up and make, uh, and, and, and make inflation uh, what it is today. Uh, I'm not saying that it's a drop in the bucket, but at the end of the day, there are lots of reasons for inflation. And one of the, one of them might be providing aid to Ukraine, but many people, most people who are thinking about this clearly have come to the conclusion that it's worth it because the alternative is uh, Russia swarms all over places right. and makes our lives much yep. more difficult. We don't yep. want that. So in uh, the last 60 seconds, Colonel Jack Jacobs, again, a great discussion, as it always is with you. Uh, tell me this, the Biden administration, specifically Joe Biden, how do you think he's handled this situation with Ukraine so far? Well, it came late to the party. I mean, there were people who were calling for uh, something to be done early on. Uh, we, had, we give intelligence to the Ukrainians, and so our allies do as well. We knew the Russians were going to attack. We all waited until the Russians actually attacked before we even started thinking about assisting the Ukrainians. So pretty good since then, but came late to the party, and as a result, gave the Russians an opportunity to make the inroads that they did, I would have acted sooner. 
Thank you for your service. Thank you for this great conversation. Please keep coming back. I love the fact, Colonel Jack, that you're back on the show with me. It was too long. So thank you again this morning, and keep up the great work. You're the man. Thanks. Thanks, Sid. Anytime. All right. There he is, Colonel Jack Jacobs, recipient Medal of Honor, true American hero, Vietnam, and he's got a great take. He knows all those specifics about weaponry and war that, uh, quite frankly, most of us have no idea about. We'll take a short break. When we get back, we'll hear from Frank Morano. And coming up in about 10 minutes, the mayor himself, Eric Adams, on New York City, only right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Radio 77 WABC. A lot of that growth was driven by the morning show, and you got to hand it to Sid Rosenberg, a guy who has been shouldering the burden of this morning show masterfully. My understanding is the morning show did over a seven and a half share. Now, a seven and a half share is great in any day part, midday, overnight. In the mornings, that's almost unheard of. It's crazy. And that is the number one morning show in all of New York. And I don't mean number one news talk show. I believe that is the number one morning show in New York in the category of 12 plus period. So congratulations to all of my colleagues. It is very much a team effort. A special congratulations to our owner, John Katsimatidis, and a huge congratulations to Sid Rosenberg. I think this should probably put an end to anybody that questions whether Sid needs a partner. I think we got the answer in this ratings book. He clearly doesn't. Frank Morano last night, other side of midnight. He got an 11, by the way. That's a huge number, huge. He always does. But he's right. The number we got here for the month of January is 7.6. That's how it's stern territory. No one does that here. No one ever has and no one ever will. Not the mornings. So thank you to uh, Frank Morano for that. And he's right. John and Margot Katz-Matidis. And, of course, you have to mention Chad Lopez, who's the guy that brought me back to New York seven years ago and continues to be the brains and the muscle behind this operation. All right, big two hours about to come your way. Guests that include Kimberly Guilfoyle, Dr. Mark Siegel, Congressman Peter King, and coming up next, the mayor here in New York City, Eric Adams. Our number three coming up after Nome with the news. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC.
Angel of Harlem on this YouTube day on Sid and Friends in the Morning, waiting on Mayor Eric Adams to give us a call at 8.07 on what's a sunny Wednesday morning. The t- weather is about to deteriorate, though, throughout the day and become kind of nasty later. Like a mix of rain and snow and all kinds of nasty stuff. And then precipitation, I think, all day tomorrow as well before chilly, sunny skies come away on Friday. So it looks nice right now, but ain't going to be nice all that long, is what I'm saying. Uh, don't forget Noam's Nuggets with Noam Layden coming up next segment at 825. The great Congressman Peter King, he'll be here at 840. Dr. Mark Siegel will tell us what these people are really going through in East Palestine, Ohio this morning, physically, medically. He'll be here at 905. And my friend with a new show on the Rumble, Kimberly Guilfoyle, will be here at 925. But joining me right now, guy that's become a, a dear friend a man that uh, works his tail off every day here in New York trying to improve this city is the esteemed and honorable Mayor Eric Adams. Eric, my friend, how are you, brother? Sid, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I got to tell you, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm not going to mention his name and give him any more fame or his satisfaction, but some idiot wrote a story, and you and I both don't like this guy, but he wrote a story about you and I, how a pro-Trump guy and a pro-Biden guy have become friendly, and we talk every couple of weeks. And I have to tell you, Mr. Mayor, that more Democrats have stopped me over the last couple of weeks and congratulated me on this relationship and said, let me tell you, the Adams-Rosenberg relationship is exactly what New York's uh, and politics need. So that guy actually did you and I a tremendous favor. Listen, I agree. Um, what is uh, more American than people who can live among each other and have disagreements in certain areas? Well, I don't agree with myself all the time. So how am I supposed <laughs> to speak with other people? So to, you know, there's sometimes I go and grab a cigar with some friends and they're totally opposite from from me on some of the political topics but we agree on the same foundational issue our children should be safe we should be able to educate our families we should be able to walk the streets without someone coming causing harm to us and we may have different ways of doing it but why can't two working class new yorkers be able to have some type of uh interaction and friendship when when you want the foundational the same thing. So I, I agree. I heard the same from people saying, listen, to, to, to see you guys uh, interact or uh, talk, your son uh, is, <laughs> I'm one of his favorite people. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, he was even in the story, my son. My son Gabriel has dyspraxia. You have dyslexia. He looks up to you. You're proud of him. And it's nice to see both guys with disabilities, you now the mayor and my son, doing some great things as well, including hitting baskets on the basketball court, which his doctor said he would never do. That's the beauty of all this, right, Mayor? Is, is That's the beauty it, here. It, it really is. And uh, when you look at, let me tell you something, learning disabilities or other disabilities, they do not have ethnicities attached to them. We both want the same thing. I, you know, just as my mom wanted the best for me um, when I grew up, uh, you – I want you want the best for your son. And that is what's at the heart of the American dream. Was, and, and, you know, so what? You disagree. That's not, I mean, why should we be so insecure in who we are? 
because we disagree. That's the problem. Everyone wants to automatically cancel people out because they disagree with them on certain things. Right. But, even right. On I mean, even the genesis of this conversation, if I'm going to be totally honest, Mr. Mayor, was a disagreement. Uh, I did right. not like the tweet that you sent out about Ron DeSantis. Now, I don't know right. DeSantis. He's not a friend of mine. You are. But I think mm-hmm. he's a really good man. I think he's a tremendous governor. I think he's done a great job in the state of Florida. I don't think the stuff you put in that tweet was even accurate. He never said the word gay once in the paternal act, though, so I'm not sure why he hates LBGDQ people, uh, why he hates women, because he may be pro-life. I happen to be pro-choice. So I thought it was inaccurate. I thought it was unfair. But I wanted to tell you that so you can answer me. Yeah, and, and, and isn't that the best part of our relationship? See, people need to be clear on something. Uh, because you and I, uh, we have a friendship, they don't don't think that we don't debate on issues. <laughs> right, like right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so people need to understand that. Don't think that all of a sudden uh, my uh, belief, you believe he's a great governor. I don't believe he, I don't line up to his political views on those important t- things. I, 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 I'm not into banning uh, books that are not harmful. Or I don't. I think that we should do anything that's harmful to those who are members of the LGBTQ plus community. And I'm a big believer in women has they have a right to choose of how they uh, take care of their bodies. I'm a big believer in that. And listen, I'm a big believer on removing these guns off our street. I don't support the Supreme Court decision of the open carry law. And those are the things that we are just in, in, in disagreement with. But I will say this. Here's where it comes off tough for you. Okay? Here's where it comes off tough for you. If all those things are true, and he's such a bad governor, right, and he's so anti-American in all those respects, you're going to have to explain, Mayor, why everybody in big numbers is leaving New York and going to his state. How do you explain that if, in fact, he's such a disaster? Well, I think that you look at some very important uh, areas. It's extremely appealing and attractive when you look at our laws, our tax laws here, and the tax laws in Florida. Uh, New York and California, we pay some of the highest uh, uh, income tax rates. Uh, You know, that's real. That's a very real issue. Uh, But it's difficult when you have a city of this number, 8.5 million people. Uh, New York City has always uh, had the... Statue of Liberty in its harbor. You know, you you and I and others, our family came from different distant shores to come here. And there's a lot of obligation that comes with that. But at the same time, this has been a place of prosperity and wealth. He railed about crime. When people don't realize that when you look at the stats, Florida actually has a higher murder rate than New York City. You know, last year, at a double digit, we had a double digit decrease in murders. And we are down 12.5% this year. But when you look at Florida uh, per 100,000 residents, they have a 7.3 murders per 100,000 residents in 21. And ours was 5.5 per 100,000. So he, when you rail about something about New York crime is, is an issue, the numbers just don't add up in comparison to Florida. Let's talk about crime for one more moment here. Then we'll move on to some of the uh, good things that you've done the last couple of days. I love that handshoe agreement, by the way. And uh, you're up in Albany a couple of weeks ago, and, and you are frustrated with Kathy Hochul. You're not going to say it publicly. I'm going to say it for you. 
She wants a lot of money from you. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line. And I know, I know how you feel, Mr. Mayor, about crime in the city, bail reform, and all those things. Yet there are some that said to me, once again, your friend had the opportunity up in Albany a couple of weeks ago to really take Stuart Cousins and Heasty and Hochul to task about bail reform. And again, he left and wasted another opportunity. Look, I think it's a bit unfair. I think that's piling on. I don't think they understand the nuances of your job on a daily basis. But that is something I heard about your last visit to Albany. Want to remark on that? Well, well, first of all, uh, you you said the most important word, the nuances. Uh, When you look at last year, it was unbelievable how it was reported inaccurately uh, that uh, we had a terrible year in Albany. When you, look, when you look at about the 12 things that we asked for, it was only two things we didn't get fully. We we, we moved towards uh, some real alterations in the uh, criminal reform package. We wanted more. We didn't get everything we wanted. We wanted more. But we were successful in child care. Unbelievable what we did around child care and the money we got for uh, low-income New Yorkers. We were successful around uh, NYCHA land trust. People have been trying to do this for years. They couldn't. We had money to fix NYCHA and move it, start moving in the right direction. Uh, we were successful with earned income tax credit, the first increase in over 20 years, putting money back in the pockets of, uh, of families who are in, in need. Real money. We were successful in hotel conversions so we could convert them into apartments. I could go item by item by item Knowing Albany, when you're able to walk out of Albany with those substantial victories, that is a banner year, and we're going to do it this year. But you don't do it by just yelling and screaming. Call uh, Hasty, the leader of the assembly, Andrew Stewart, cousin, the leader of the Senate. We don't agree on everything, but we agree on the foundations, and we have agreed to sit down. Let's lean into our agreements. Let's find ways to deliver for New York City. And that's what, you know, you can say, what can say what they want about uh, uh, Assembly Speaker Carl A.C. Carl has always been a protector of New York City. He would protect his entire state, but he's always made sure that New York City was not unfairly treated. And one area of focus right now uh, is the MTA dollars that are being levied on New York, half a billion dollars a year. No other municipality is being called on to do this. And it's just unfair. And I disagree with the governor on it. I shared that with her. And I'm going to fight like hell to make sure New York City is not treated differently throughout the state. One of the things... Yeah, go ahead. Yes. No, go ahead. No, I was saying that when you look at it, when I needed her during the subway safety plan, she rolled out the numbers uh, becoming safe in our subway system. I was down in the system last night with uh, with the Channel 7 reporter. We were riding throughout the night. Uh, you see a qualitative difference uh, with our police being out there and yep. the decreasing crime. So there's a different energy, and we're trending in the right direction in this city. Yeah, I do tell uh, Sliwa and uh, Giuliani, uh, not two of your biggest fans every day, that when I hop on that four train, man, every morning and every afternoon, I do see cops every day, and I take pictures sometimes, and I send it to them to go, you see that? The mayor ain't lying. One thing that you and I are in agreement with, but again, people are like, well, now we're not so sure, charter schools. Again, a couple of weeks ago in Albany, it seemed like you were kind of wavering on your support for charter schools based on the money you said, once again, coming from Hochul, that it would cost the city. So people want to know straight up, 
Mayor Eric Adams, are you for charter schools or not? And, and you know, the term wavering uh, just came from the reporting. I have never wavered on my support of all schools in general, but specifically with your answer, charter schools. Yes, I support charter schools. I support good schools. Uh, the district schools, which are, uh, are also our public schools. Many people forget that charter schools are public schools. And what, we, what we're supposed to be doing, we should be looking at the successful schools and scale them up, duplicate them, not tear them down. And some of the terminology that was used to describe charter schools, you threw them all into one bucket and just attacked just the name of the type of schools. And I do not believe that. Uh, we should not be saying uh, that schools are bad just because of the types of name that they're called. I've, I have been in good district schools. I have been in good charter schools. And I've been in failing charter schools and failing district schools. But let's look at the ones, district schools and charter schools that are successful, and let's scale them up. Let's find out what are you doing differently so we can improve the education of our children. My job, Sid, uh, last week was to say to the lawmakers, if we move forward with the proposed bill, this is what it would cost New York City. New York City is the only city in the state where we are uh, handed the bill if you don't, we don't put a charter school in a district school building, we must pay to increase the uh, pay for the the independent area that we place the school in. That's a, that's going to cost something, and I needed to share that with the lawmakers. And that was no way of saying I'm against charter schools because I am not. I'm in, in favor of good schools that educate our children, and I have witnessed the best in districts and charters. Mr. Mayor, I don't expect you to say anything negative about her personally. Again, you're on the same team. She's a Democrat governor. You're a Democrat mayor. But one of the things I took, in all honesty, Eric, when you were staying in Albany was, and I kind of joked about it about five minutes ago, was that Kathy Hochul is placing way too high a burden on you and this city financially. Are you ready to say that the governor is really putting too much financial burden on you as the mayor of this city? I don't think that I have been leery about critiquing those who are my colleagues in government when I believe they are harming our city. I have never been leery about saying that. That is not the case with Kathy. Uh, Governor Hochul has been a friend and a partner on so many of these tough, tough issues. I have uh, visited her, spoke with her, communicated with her when we were going through the uh, crises around COVID. Uh, I had to call on her several times. I had to call on her with the subway safety plan, not once but twice, uh, to put over 1,200 officers in our subway system when we were dealing with the concerns that people were having. I had to call on her with the migrant uh, uh, seekers and asylum seekers uh, when she brought the National Guard uh, to come in. And so I had to call on her several times. And anyone that has a relationship with someone, at times you're going to say, hey, I disagree, you know. And I think that New York City, not only through this governor, but governors throughout history, have people have always looked at New York City as the ATM machine for the state. <laughs> and it's just wrong. You know, we particularly now, 
when New Yorkers are facing some real issues, and we're going to need Albany to really help us as we need the federal government as well. I have to tell you on the way out, uh, Mayor Adams, that the story I really like, and I mentioned the handshoe agreement, which I think is terrific because it does do a really good job of, A, respecting the certain Muslim community and at the same time respecting our police. So that's a great job, Eric. But I really love the reopening of the boathouse. Can you tell the listeners about that, which is coming soon, and all of the really cool people that are involved in getting that thing done? Yeah, no, I was excited about that. We were concerned because, you know, running a city of this size is not only substantive, but it's symbolic. Uh, That boathouse was representative of where we're going, what direction we're moving in as a city. Uh, It was closed. People thought that we would not be able to find a vendor that would respect union jobs. And we were able to find a legend. Uh, The organization, the uh, real entertainment a, a company, uh, we were able to... And, that, that's the same know. legend uh, that the Yankees have, right? Same one, right? Yes, yes it is. Yes, it is. Uh, it is the same, uh, you know, uh, company that the Yankees, uh, they're currently using as well, but in other entities across the entire uh, country. But we're able to keep those union jobs, a pathway into the middle class, we were able to have a fine dining and entertainment, the, the boat rentals. You know, I, I, I was kidding with the joking. Uh, when I was a rookie cop, I used to rent those boats. It was a cheap date. You know, <laughs> we were make a lot of money. And it, it was just a real victory. And really, it's an indicator, uh, uh, Sid, when you look at it, uh, Fitch just upgraded New York City's bond rating to an AA from an AA minus. The, that upward revision you know, comes just one year into our term, and it reflects the administration's strong fiscal management and our ability to make the tough but necessary decision. That's Wall Street looking at this mayoralty and saying, this guy is making these tough decisions. He's moving the city um, in the right direction, and those who are investors in cities are looking towards what I'm doing as the mayor of the city and this amazing team I have and New Yorkers who are really able to put their head down and grind. That is our secret weapon. Uh, You can never count us out. We will complain and go at it with each other, but at the end of the day, we all walk away saying, hey, we are New Yorkers, and we're going to continue to stand strong together. Certainly you and I do that, uh, Mr. Mayor. I can't, I can't thank you enough again. Another great conversation. Thank you for coming on today. And uh, really, I, I enjoy when you're on. I enjoy meeting with you. And I look forward to dinner next week with me, you, and DeSantis, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, brother. Take, All right. Take hey, care. Mr. Yeah. Mayor, thank you. You were really great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, my friend. And I say that. Uh, absolutely with honor, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. We uh, will take a short break. Lee Zeldin just texted me. We have a lot more to do on this Wednesday morning. Gnomes Nuggets, Congressman Peter King, love him, Dr. Mark Siegel, the lovely Kimberly Guilfoyle, all that and more. Sitting friends in the morning. You too, Angel of Harlem.
77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. have a lot of time here because the mayor was on for quite some time and was tremendous. Then we've got three really good guests in a row with Peter King, Dr. Mark Siegel, and the lovely Kimberly Gilpoil. Let's get right to Noam Layton with today's version of Noam's Nuggets. What was that now? And services include non- what, what is going on here? Uh, thank you. Stop playing those uh, yeah, I don't know what that gen was. commercials. Still playing Dolce. <laughs> good morning, Noam. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. I had, uh, you know, we were just, uh, you were talking to the mayor about crime. Great interview, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I've seen two instances of crime in the last 24 hours. You have personally with your own eyes. Well, one is very intense. But let me start with the smaller one was yesterday. I'm inside Walgreens, two blocks away from here. I see this guy pick up the cut-up watermelon that they have in the front there. Yes. And I'm looking at him, and I think I want to go up to him and say, you know, if you get the whole watermelon, it's cheaper than the cut-up pieces, <laughs> right? So I, I'm about to go tell him that, but then I see him take the watermelon and shove it into his jacket pocket. Then he grabs a thing of egg salad, and he shoves that into his Come pocket. Come on. And then he looks around uh, two different ways, and he walks out of the store. Nobody stops him. You and didn't I, stop I him? Not, no, because, you know, it's egg salad and watermelon. I know, but, you know, him. many months ago, my friend, the actor Michael Rappaport, who this audience for the most part hates, he actually tackled somebody. Running out of CVS. Yeah. Because he's like, wait a second. And I feel the same way. Like yesterday, for example, I saw some dopey kid like Phil, for example, jump the turnstile. And I know it's only $2.50, whatever it is, but why do I have to pay? Right. You know, but and you it, didn't tackle him. I didn't tackle him, but I yelled at him. I said, a F face, yelled that, go back and pay. Why should I pay and you not? And uh, in New York fashion, he gave me the finger giggled, and walked away. Well, okay, now <laughs> I wish you were with me this morning because I had a much more intense thing this Uh-oh. morning. Oh, boy. So I am coming out of our parking garage on 51st Street. Yeah. And I'm like maybe five steps away from the garage, and all of a sudden I hear, this is three in the morning, right? I hear somebody running full force at me, you know, running down the street. Right at you. Right, I mean, from behind me. But I hear them coming full force. I mean, yeah. and this Was it Frankie all- Diaz? No. Okay. Yeah, well, it might have been. <laughs> You know, now that you, when you hear what happened, you might think it is Frankie Diaz. There's a couple other people who might want to do this to me as well. Yeah, Valentine, a host of people. They had something bigger than a traffic yeah. so. so all of a sudden, I, I, this all happens in 20 seconds. It's, I, feel the, I feel somebody running towards me. I hear them. I turn around. They had picked up one of those gigantic orange traffic cones and heaved it at me. What? So as I'm turning around, I get hit by this thing. No way. No, I kid you not. Did you fall head. down? No. I Did mean, you cry? I, I thought about it, but I didn't cry. <laughs> and um, I, I'm fine. But in that moment, I just it was like sheer panic. Like, is this guy going to run up to me? But he, he, he just had perfect aim. He threw the cone at me. I think he was homeless. I don't know. And then uh, he looked at me. We looked at each other. That was maybe two seconds. And then he ran the other direction. Wow. Yeah, and then I ran this like a little This is all before 4 o'clock in the morning. This was like a 2.57 this morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. I should have shared was, that with the mayor. You should have. 
Yeah, was, he was saying how safe it is, and yeah. DeSantis has worse crime stats in Florida. And I should have told him, you know, my, my, my news guy nearly got killed by a traffic cone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, it, it hurts more when you're bald. You know I mean, there's no, there's no hair to protect it. I had that moment of like, oh, this really hurts, but there's a guy running at me. I better, you know, not worry about that. What and do you look like? I, it was seconds. Yeah. The whole thing was maybe 15 seconds, 20 right. seconds, and, and you ran away. That's an ABC sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It was crash. It was one of those guys. Crash, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Morning news TV. <laughs> oh boy! Now, you know this. If you haven't made a couple of enemies in radio, you have not succeeded. No, so, yeah. yeah, I think it was just some random person. Or, but uh, thank yeah. you for updating sure, us on that. Sure, sure it was. I will uh, text the mayor right now. Tell him. Yeah, that's <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Noam Layden continues to kill it. Thank you for that, Noam. Traffic is uh, coming up next. Plus, the great Congressman Peter King. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The heart is a blue. Shoots up through the stony ground. There's no room. No space to win in this town You're out of luck And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere You thought you found a friend To take you out of this place Someone you could lend a hand In return Today continues on Sitting Friends in the Morning, Fresh Hour 7.6 in January, a rating that no one gets. Not I miss. Not me and Bernie, not even close. Nobody. So congratulations uh, to the crew, coming off a very, very good ball book. Nearly a five there. Eric Adams, I thought the mayor, was uh, great. You know, so he maybe didn't like all of his answers, but he covered it all. I gave him a chance not to double down, but triple down on Ron DeSantis, and he did it. Talked about uh, bail reform, his efforts. Talked about Kathy Hochul basically overcharging the mayors and the city. He said nice things about her, which was very nice. But he said, listen, not just her, but governors for a long time have been using this city as an ATM. So we talked about a whole wide range of issues. Colonel Jack Jacobs talked about the issue between Russia, China, and the United States, and the NATO countries as well. Curtis Sliwa was uh, hilarious as always, and we started at 6.40 this morning with uh, Kieran Lawler, who was great too. But we put this time aside every Wednesday for not just a great politician, in my view, along with Rudy Giuliani, the two best politicians in my lifetime in New York, but a great friend and a tremendous radio talent now between my show and John Katsimatidi's show. He is Congressman Peter King. Pete, good Wednesday morning, buddy. How are you? Great to be with you. And I don't want to see you walking around with ashes this afternoon. (laughs) uh, You're moving in everywhere. Now you're taking over the Catholic Church, too, so i got to watch that. (laughs) That's exactly what Mike Breen said at the uh, very first service for our late friend Bernard when he passed away. He said, oh, my God, now you're doing the Catholic Church thing, too. Uh, And you're right. I I did get ashes at St. Patrick's Cathedral a couple of years ago. And I'm considering doing it again today. Why not? I need all the help I can get, Pete. Your God, my God, I don't care. They're all great. Uh, You got it. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Let me just say one thing uh, on, on a semi-serious note. I was listening to Curtis this morning, and he is good stick and all that. But I've been talking to Bruce Blakeman. There's absolutely no truth at all to what Curtis is saying about Bruce bringing in immigrants to uh, Nassau Coliseum or whatever. That is totally false. It's a lie. And to be spreading stuff like that, you know, we can kid around about stuff, but to somehow say that the county executive is going to be bringing in illegal immigrants to Nassau Coliseum is totally untrue. I've been talking to Bruce about it this morning. He has no idea what Curtis is talking about. And that's the type of thing you don't want to get, you know, you're getting out there. Well, listen, there's already there's, there's already a lawsuit in place. Bo Deedle is suing Curtis Sliwa. Peter, you're welcome to jump on that lawsuit with Bo Deedle, <laughs> and the two of you take Curtis Sliwa down. If he's lying about the Nassau County executive, if he's lying about Bo Deedle's career, he blamed you this morning, Peter King, for George Santos. He blamed yeah, no, you. I, I tell you, you know, Curtis is going off, definitely off the deep end. And with Bruce, listen, he and Commissioner Pat Ryder, have done so much to keep crime out of Nassau County, keep it down. The last thing you need is, you know, somebody stirring up saying we're bringing in immigrants, illegal immigrants to Nassau Coliseum. Listen, Curtis is a good guy. He's a friend. I've known him a long time. Comes I just want to get that on the record before but, but. there's people marching on Bruce's office in Minneapolis. <laughs> That could happen, too, because he did say that. I mean, but he's not alone in, in Curtis's defense. I, I never heard that Bruce Blakeman stuff before. But I've told you, I've had people email me at the station and say, I got to tell you, man, I blame a lot of this George Santos stuff on Joe Cairo and Peter King. In my opinion, completely unfair, unfounded, even bordering on stupid. But it's out there, Pete. A lot of folks blame you guys. They feel like you're the, the Nassau County Mafia for George Santos. Yeah, actually, uh, first of all, it is untrue. Listen, it's politics. I can understand people saying that. The fact is that Joe Cairo, uh, George Santos was screened and vetted by the Queens Party. That's how he became the candidate in Nassau County. He was a Queens and Nassau candidate. Joe Cairo made almost no appearances with Santos. I didn't. In fact, I kept getting calls from Newsday asking why I hadn't endorsed Santos, and he was the only downstate Republican I didn't contribute to in the last campaign. Finally, in the last week, I, think I put out a one-line statement saying I, I, I endorse Santos as the nominee of the party. I had nothing to do with him. I'm not trying to back away. Listen, but the fact is, Joe Cairo had so many races going on in Nassau County. He won the D'Esposito race. By the way, Anthony's doing a terrific job. The Garbarino race. He took back three state Senate seats, took back an assembly seat. And Nassau County, which has 100,000 more Democrats than Republicans, Lee Zeldin carried it by over 50,000 votes. So Joe Cairo had a million races he was focusing on. That race there where Swazi brought out nothing about uh, Santos, Newsday brought out nothing about Santos. And Cairo had more things to be doing than to checking out whether a guy was playing volleyball with Baruch College <laughs> 20 years ago. Uh, it's funny. Uh, by the way, Lee Zeldin will join me at 7.05 on Tuesday morning. So all this ugliness between Bo and Curtis, now you and Curtis, you're doing a better job than Bo of, of, of protecting it, but you both feel the same way. You can't stand him. So the boss, uh, Chad Lopez, just walked by the studio. And, uh, Chad, you're hearing all this. These are all your players. This is your roster. How do you feel about this uh, ugliness at the station? Well, first off, good morning, uh, Sid, and congrats <laughs> on the great ratings Thank and you. Uh, WABC and uh, what we're doing here. Thank you. But you you know, too. You it, too. It's it's like uh, I walk in and it's like all my kids in the sandbox, right? The you know, jo- it's <laughs> like you're, you're like Vince McMahon. This is your the wrestling. You're like running the whole wrestling thing. <laughs> first off, first off, no one should go up against Peter King. No one should go up against Curtis, and no one should go up against Bo. Right? But. 
they're all going up against each other, or actually, what they're going up against Sid. And what I love about this, though, is that uh, this is what WABC is about. This is what John and Margot wanted, right? Exactly. For, where every just speak the truth, tell the truth, and the truth will come out, right? And it's common sense, and that's what makes this station great. Although, it makes you great at what you're well, doing. Well, thank you, but one man's truth, Chad Lopez, yes, yes. is another man's lie. <laughs> so Curtis Sliwa, they're contending Bo and Peter keeps lying, even though that's Curtis Sliwa's truth. That's the beauty. Now the, now the question becomes, based upon what you and John want for this station, <laughs> now we need to find out the real truth. Yeah. Who's and, lying? And, and and you know what? And I don't. And you know this. I don't think you'll ever find that out. These are politicians we're dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> is he right about that, uh, Peter King, Chad Lopez? Is he right that you guys are so good? Not you specifically, because you're a very honest man. You really yes. are. But the politicians are so good at their jobs that you can lie to our faces, and we just buy it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that. But I've been listening carefully to this. Now I know who the evil genius is behind all this. <laughs> Lopez. He is a soul. He's the guy in the schoolyard who will get everybody else fighting. And he's standing off the side. You're, you're laughing at all of us. You're, you know, you're picking up the money on bets. You know, this is, uh, you know. Peter, I was just going to say. If there's one person I'm standing behind in his schoolyard, is you. That's the person I'm standing behind in his schoolyard. That's true. That's true. That is true. Hey, uh, thank you for stopping in this morning. Thank you. And congratulations to you because uh, you've done – John and Margo, of course, built this. There's no question about it. They get a lot of uh, credit. But you have been the genius behind this thing for many, many years. When they called us dead, you said, no, we're not dead yet. You continue to implement what you believed was right, and I really believe we're here today because of you, so nah, thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you. But it, it's, uh, and thank you to John and Margo because they, they're the of ones course, that give us course. the opportunity. And, 100%. And they approve everything, so we all work together, and it's a great uh, station. Thank great you, family, Jay. too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, Peter. You. So, Peter. Uh, Take care of yourself. You too. So, um, oh, I'm talking to Chad, yes. So you heard the conversation earlier that was very funny with uh, Colonel Jack Jacobs. And we talked about this, this World War III looming. And I'm hearing that in a lot of places, World War III, that now because the Chinese and the Russians are, in fact, allied, that that's what they would like to see. They would like to see eventually, you know, maybe he will attack a NATO country, something like Poland, Putin. Maybe he, he may use chemical and nuclear weapons. Who knows? But we are in the beginning, the beginning stages of World War III, and our idiotic president just can't seem to figure that out. What do you think? Well, first of all, uh, listen, I, I think Joe Biden has certainly made some mistakes with Ukraine. But I, this is when every European nation, when even countries like Sweden and Finland, who were never in NATO before, suddenly want to join because they're so concerned about uh, Russia. And uh, to me, the best way to avoid World War III is to stand strong now. And to let Putin know that he's not going to win, that NATO will stand together. Uh, you know, Russia can't afford a nuclear war. China is making such great economic inroads. They don't want a nuclear war. What Russia wants to do is just effectively move. They can take Ukraine. That's going to give them economic power against Germany. It's going to put tremendous pressure on Poland. And it's going to bring those countries into Russia's sphere of influence, which is going to hurt us economically. And if he can use this threat of nuclear war, he can do that with every country. You know, why go to nuclear war? Uh, have a nuclear war over uh, Ukraine. Let's give in. Why about Poland? Why about uh, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia? And we're back to the days of the Cold War. To me, the best way to avoid a nuclear war or an all-out war is to do what we're doing now, but give more weapons to Ukraine, because they are fighting a war for us to stop Russian imperialism. And, uh, yeah, it can. It can be expensive. It will be more expensive if we end up in, in a world war. If we had built up in the 1930s to fight Hitler 
and given the aid to, to Britain that they needed more than we gave them, then you know we may not have had World War II, which cost us the hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of American lives. Peter, I've heard Republican analysts and other folks say, hey, listen, I'm okay with Biden going to the Ukraine. I'm okay with even giving them money and giving them weaponry, all of that. But did he have to do it last week? We've got a real serious situation right here in the United States. Fish are dying. Chicken are dying. People are coughing up blood right here in Ohio. I understand it was President's Day, but couldn't that wait? Isn't the United States more important what's going on in, in, in Ohio than the Ukraine right now? That seems to be a lot of the criticism today, that Biden should have been in Ohio, not the Ukraine. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the two separate issues. He should have been both. He is a day late and a dollar short as far as uh, Palestine, Ohio. That's where he should have been the week before. He should have been out there. He should have had Buttigieg there. He should have had Kamala Harris there. And he should have been talking to the nation about that. Instead, he may believe it didn't even happen. And that showed to me a disregard for an area. I guess the people there are not that important. You got a 77 percent vote for Trump in that area. These are the people that Biden is not identifying with. And he figured he could ignore them. So to me, two things. He definitely should have been in East Palestine. He should have been there, just stood with the people. Listen, if that were Bill Clinton, he would have hugged every person in that entire city. He would have gone out there and he would have shown concern for them, as would Donald Trump, as would Ronald Reagan. These are great presidents. They would have known how to handle it. But then he also should have gone to Ukraine and had the two of them. The reason he's made Ukraine a negative issue right now is because he's over there and and seemed to be ignoring East Palestine. He should have been in East Palestine the week before, been there for one day, two days, say this is a major effort. And to be somehow saying FEMA can't get involved because it's not big enough, then FEMA's... uh, should get involved uh, or can't get involved because it's too big an issue. This is nonsense. This is madness. He should have been there. And it was a dereliction of duty for him not to be there. At the same time, by going to Ukraine, what it's doing is it is firming up support in Europe against Russia. So a commander-in-chief has domestic obligations and foreign. He totally failed in the domestic obligation. 30 seconds. we got to run here, Peter. You've been kind of tough and bold on Trump. Uh, you loved him. You voted for him. You were there for him. But you think this time around he's kind of worn out his welcome. Policies are great, but not necessarily he's the right guy for the job. But he is going to East Palestine this morning. Not the president, not Harris, not Buttigieg, but Donald Trump. Give him credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know that if he had been president, he would have been there on day one or certainly a day two, the latest. He would have been out there. Absolutely. No, he uh, he understood that that form of leadership and he understood that there were certain forgotten people in America. And that part of middle America has been forgotten by the Democrats for too long. And that's why Donald Trump was elected in 2016. And that's why Ohio, which had been a marginal state, is now overwhelmingly Republican. Because they realize the Democrats have abandoned the working people in communities like East Palestine. What a great interview. What a great conversation. What a great job, man. I love you, Peter King. Thank you so much. Enjoy the week. We'll do it again next week. Great job. A great job with the mayor. That that was a great interview. Oh, thank you, Peter. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I thought he was very good, as you were as well. And to continue, really, thank you, Peter King, to continue this conversation about the people in East Palestine. It was fish. It was chicken. Now it's humans coughing up blood, all kinds of medical issues popping up the last couple of days. Who knows more about that than Dr. Mark Siegel at Fox News? Nobody. We'll talk to Dr. Mark Siegel next. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 
77 WABC. Unforgettable Fire. What a great album. Great album. All those songs he played today, Bad and Pride, on this album. And when you think of Unforgettable Fire, you can't help but think about the fire coming from that train that derailed in Ohio. So last night I'm watching Tucker Carlson, the best show on TV. It just is. Nothing's even close. Not even a close second. Really, to be honest. And who do I see but my friend Dr. Mark Siegel. Now, right before Siegel came on, Tucker was talking to a very young couple in Ohio, and the husband in his 30s has been coughing up blood for days, and the wife is having these sustained headaches. So we heard about fish dying and chickens dying, animals in East Palestine, but now humans are very, very quickly starting to suffer some of the effects of the chemical toxins released in the air from this train derailment where Joe Biden continues to stroll around Europe and Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg have their fingers up their ass. So uh, Siegel was on explaining to Tucker and me last night why some of these people are having these medical difficulties. So here he is, dear friend of mine and a great contributor to this show, the great Dr. Mark Siegel. Good morning, Mark. I did not say, say on TV that anyone has their fingers up their rear end, although you, you, you describe it extremely well. The president is over there in Ukraine, finally, in Poland. He chose this great time for a photo op. Yeah, right. And, uh, and, you know, Buttigieg is saying, well, these things happen all the time, and, you know, he's moving at a snail's pace. The EPA, we don't know if they actually tested for the specific chemicals that we need them to. Uh, Stat asked them yesterday, Stat is a really reputable uh, medical uh, publication, by the way. And they asked him yesterday, what about phosgene gas? Because that is a byproduct of vinyl chloride burning. And that was used during World War I to kill people on a mass scale. Wow. And it's a tiny, 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 tiny amount of it. I mean, like 0.07 parts per, per million is very corrosive to the lungs. And then you have, you know, that poor team on Tucker last night. Nathan and Kelly talking about Nathan talking about uh, coughing up blood, and and I'm asking you know where Governor Dewine is in all of this, and uh, you know we're we're nonpartisan here, right? We well, but, hold on. You, but you brought up Governor Dewine, and I know you know this, but there's some old lady in East Palestine, Ohio, and and yesterday Governor Dewine and this guy Regan from the EPA and a bunch of other folks walked into her kitchen. And she said to them, hey, I'm not drinking the water. You want me to feel good about it? You drink it. And you talk about photo opportunities for Biden with Zelensky in Ukraine and the, the, the mayor in, in Warsaw. That was the same thing with the wine in Ohio yesterday. They drank the water. But what does that mean? 
Yeah, he drank it for one day and the house was pre-tested. You know, it's kind of like back in the monarchy days, right, where you where you uh, you send in somebody first and they eat the food and if they don't die, you you eat it. <laughs> I mean, don't 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 you don't you don't, don't you have that relative Mark that always goes, you know what? I think the milk is sour. Taste it. <laughs> yeah, I have those relatives, and so do you. You know, but we're we're on to them. We're on to them, and, and probably the governor of Ohio is on on to them too. But I don't find him very convincing. And I was saying on Tucker last night that he's he should not be an apologist for the situation. What has happened to us, Sid? What is wrong with getting out there and saying as a governor, you know, I, I don't like this. Right. People are getting sick. I need this. I need that. I need more help. I mean, I don't get all of this playing nice and photo op stuff. I think it's really terrible. In this type of a situation where you have a two-part problem, part one, who got sick? 3,500 fish have died, right? Animals have died. Now, that's part one. Who's getting acutely ill? And, and let's get in there and figure out what they've got. Part two, what are the long-term impacts of this? Where's the cleanup? Because there's cancer to worry about. You actually talked about a couple of very specific toxins on Tucker last night that were in the air. One of them, you said, uh, could directly be the cause of young people, not even elderly people, young people, otherwise healthy, coughing up blood in this Ohio town. Talk about some of those toxins that uh, you're educated about that could be doing this type of medical damage. The one that everybody's talking about is vinyl chloride, but that was only in the first few days of the uh, of the event after February 6th. Vinyl chloride smells sweet; it's colorless. And when and when Nathan said it, it, it when he said it was in the water, uh, the water turns blue from it. So I think that that I think that their exposure was probably vinyl chloride. But vinyl chloride breaks down to hydrogen chloride and phosgene. Phosgene is the one I'm worried about in terms of uh, of of toxins to the lungs it's very corrosive to the lungs and he has coughing up blood nobody's tested that you know there's no pulmonary reports epa uh, the uh, rather the cdc has finally been directed to st- open a clinic for people with health problems in the area that's a good idea but it should have been done weeks ago you know a couple one or two weeks ago and so i'm worried about that i'm I, i'm also worried and this is the other thing you're talking about is dioxins because when you burn vinyl chloride or polyvinyl chloride which was also in there. All of these things that you use to make plastics. Your listeners are saying, what the hell is going on with this train anyway? The train was carrying these materials to make plastics. That's Mm. what it's for. So polyvinyl chloride is already on the road to plastics, and that was on the train. When you burn that, you get something called dioxins. And dioxins have a long-term impact, and they, they are in the environment. And the more of it you have, the more chance you have of a problem with fertility, developmental delays in children and breast cancer. This is a very, very wow. serious toxin. And the FD and the EPA needs to be testing specifically for all of this. Said so they're not. You know, they do an organic screen, but there's no no evidence that they're testing specifically. Then the other thing I hate is they go into five hundred homes and they say these 500 homes are fine. The air is fine. And Sid and I are saying, what about the next 500 right. homes, you know? Right, exactly. You know, I know, for example, with fentanyl, I've seen stories, uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, where a cop will open up somebody's trunk, and the fentanyl will be in the trunk. The cop won't even touch it, and the cop will OD. So my question to you is, because people, uh, I'm sorry, you're coughing now, because people <laughs> <laughs> in this town are saying they can still smell 
that sweet smell like you're talking about even two weeks later, are people at risk from getting sick just being outdoors for an extended period of time, just being near the site? I guess the answer is yes. Well, the answer is that the stuff can get from, I said it only lasts a couple of days, but the problem is it can get into the groundwater and then it can get back into the air again. It's very volatile, very volatile. So it starts in the air, gets into the groundwater, gets into the soil. There goes your long-term risks of, of cancer, or, uh, reproductive problems. But it also reconstitutes, gets back in the air. But here's the bottom line. If somebody sells, tells you they don't like what they smell, you better listen to them. Right. What the hell is a politician doing out there saying, well, you say you don't feel well. You say you don't, you know, something's in the air, but I'm telling you everything's okay. That that's worked really well for us over the last. Yeah, few I mean, years, let, right, let me give you a couple of examples: Love Canal, Three Mile Island, Governor Christine Todd Whitman in New Jersey on top of the wreckage after nine eleven. Everything's good, and in all three of those cases, as we know, not even close. And guess who's showing up there on Friday? Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> so I'm not kidding. No, really? I'm not kidding. Oh, makes sense. I'm not kidding. It makes sense. She was, uh, she was great the first time. It makes sense. And Donald Trump is there today. And you were here today after that great appearance on Tucker last night. You become one of my favorite people in the world, Dr. Mark. Thank you so much for a great appearance. I, I have to, uh, we haven't done our sports roundup, by the way. I heard it right before it came on. I just want to tell you, it's Jalen Brunson that should have made the all-star team. I mean, Randall's your guy. He looks to you for approval <laughs> when we're at the games. He's your guy. He's at the all-star team. Yeah. Aren't you impressed with the Knicks? Aren't they going to unseat the Nets now? The Nets got rid of all no, of the these Nets people. Are done. Yeah, yeah. No, the Nets, yeah, are, Nets are done. done so yeah. Knicks are heading for the playoffs, right? No, the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs. The Nets are done. There's no doubt. In fact, I'm taking Gabriel, thanks to Corey Zelnick, to the March 1st game, Knicks and Nets. And I'm taking Gabe to see the Pelicans, thanks to you, on Saturday. And you're right. By the way, you can make the argument right now, Dr. Mark, that Jalen Brunson is the greatest free agent signing by the Knicks ever. I know when they spent over $100 million a couple of months ago, even guys like Zelnick, they're like, that's a lot of money for another guard. He has been tremendous. He is far and away the best all-around player, better than Randall, better than anybody. He has been the key, and putting him and Hart back together, like their former coach at Villanova talked about, Jerry White, a couple of days ago, is going to be so big for the Knicks in the second half, they can be a top-four seed. That's my, that's my prediction. Mitchell Robinson coming back, I mean, he's been so injury-prone, but he's got a lot of talent, right? Yep. Yeah, no, he does. Listen, the, the, yeah, he's always hurt, though. But the Knicks, they're, they're not going to win the championship. They're not, they're not a conference finals team. But they're going to be a very tough out in the first round. That's my prediction. All right, we'll go to the playoffs and have a steak before, and then they'll mail me another T-bone in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They did that. That's great. Keen Steakhouse. Hey, uh, Dr. Mark, great job, Willie. Thank you so much. And it's great to have a guy like you in this city that knows about all this stuff. Thank you so much. Great to see you, sir. You too. There he is. Thank you. The great Dr. Mark Siegel uh, right here on Sitting Friends in the morning. Still not nearly done. We need a contestant for Sid's take coming up at 940. Thanks to the great Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. They do build America's best boilers. Find them today at peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. But coming up next, one of these days, she's going to call Donald Trump dad. Well, we'll see what Junior does. She's got a new show on the Rumble. It starts March the 2nd. She's one of the smartest and loveliest ladies you'll ever meet. My dear friend Kimberly Guilfoyle with me, Sid, right here on 77 WABC is coming up next.
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Jessica Dyer, wishing Jessica Dyer a very happy birthday, loves the show, loves Yellow, loves Coldplay, so happy birthday to Jessica. We're waiting now for Kimberly Gilmoyle to call in, of course, Kimberly Gilmoyle, you know her all those years on Fox News, and now involved in a very serious relationship with one Donald Trump Jr., they've been together for years, and uh, they spend most of their time raising money in all these organizations trying to uh, help Donald Trump win the presidency in 2024. But now Kimberly is back in media. Her new show starts on Thursday, next Thursday, March the 2nd, the Kimberly Guilfoyle Show, and it's on the Rumble. You know who loves uh, the Rumble is, uh, Rumble, I should say, not the Rumble. Rumble is um, Alan Dershowitz. He's on there all the time. So we usually speak to Larry Trump, who, of course, is married to Donald's son, Eric and Joseph Tacopina, my dear friend, the famed defense attorney who will join us 840 on Friday, who just recently signed on to defend President 45. He's in contact with Trump now. This is no exaggeration. Two or three times a day. A day. And uh, Donald keeps telling Tacopina he wants to come on, but his uh, communications folks, this uh, Boris Epstein, this guy Steve Chung, they suck the big one. I mean, they really suck. They suck like Linda Lovelace did in, in every movie she ever made. So we haven't gotten the president yet. What? what? No, I'm just following along. That's all, yeah. sir. Not easy to, to follow along, I know. So, but Takapina keeps telling me it's days now. President Trump will be here for sure. And that'll be great. But uh, first we're going to talk to Kimberly. And Kimberly is calling, I believe, from South Florida, where she lives, in uh, lovely Jupiter. And we're going to find out what, uh, what Kimberly is going to do on this great show she's got again on Rumble, the Kimberly Guilfoyle Show, next Thursday, March the 2nd. And much like us, she's going to talk about everything from politics to pop culture to entertainment. You know, the first time I met Kimberly, she wouldn't remember this, but she was doing a show with uh, Vinny. 
and it was on Court TV. This is back in my early days at FA in the early 2000s. And Catherine Cryer would have me on every time there was a big sports story. Like if Allen Iverson had a gun or Jason Williams shot his limo driver, I ended up with Catherine Cryer. And once in a while, I'd be on with Vinny and Kimberly because she great with the law. Don't forget she was on with Ebony Williams Tuesday nights with Bill O'Reilly. So here she is, beautiful, smart, and about to start her own new show once again, my friend Kimberly Guilfoyle. Good morning, Kimberly. Great to be with you, Sid. And of course I do remember, Court TV was the absolute best. I love Catherine Cryer and Vinnie Politan. Um, yeah, who loved you too. So it was fun. Those are the good old days. You know what I mean? Like we would go on there talking about all the cases because there were so many legal cases then. It was like one thing after the next. It was Michael Jackson. It was Kobe Bryant. It was the Lacey and Scott Peterson case. Um, so it was always something interesting going on. I remember we covered extensively the Jason Williams case. So yeah, it's uh, it was a good good times. But you know, there's so much to talk about these days as well as you know with your great show and that's why we need you know people out there that are willing to put it all on the line and you know share with their listeners and their viewers to make sure that we're getting the real information you know out there not the uh the fake news and you know you and i have uh, seen so much of that and it's just gotten so much worse and i can say that with confidence i've worked at a bunch of different places i worked at cnn when it wasn't um you know zero ratings and totally commie i worked <laughs> court tv abc news fox news i even uh went on msnbc you know a lot when dan abrams was there and had his show so you know, it's uh, I've seen I've seen it all, and you know, it's quite frankly on today's show too. I did a bunch of stuff with them when I did the dog mulling case, but now I get to be you know my own boss, okay? And I'm going to do this show, the Kimberly Gilfell Show, on Rumble, so you can follow me and subscribe to my channel. It's free. You get KG for free. Come on, what's better than that? <laughs> I mean, come on, KG for free. This is unbelievable. KG for free, baby. That yeah, is awesome, I'm Kimberly Gilfell, and uh, we've already started posting videos. I even did one responding to uh, my ex-husband. And so that that went over well after he said that I had fallen prey to the culture at Fox News. You know me a long time, Sid. Do I seem like someone who's easily no, not, not even close. Like a cult member? No, and, and for people that don't know who you may be talking about, her ex-husband, folks, is the governor of California, one Gavin Newsom, who a lot of people think may end up being, if Biden doesn't run, if Biden doesn't run the Democrat candidate. I mean, it's got to feel like a lifetime you're running, ago. You're running against my father-in-law. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Look at you right yeah, in the middle. Your, your ex-husband against your father-in-law. That's got to feel like a million years ago. But you mentioned your father-in-law. They call me SW, secret weapon. <laughs> secret weapon. Uh, he's in the East <laughs> Palestine today where Biden has not been, where Harris has not been, where Pete yeah. Buttigieg has not been. That says a lot, uh, Kimberly, about your future father-in-law and and how he cares about this country it really does god bless him uh don jr left here a little bit ago and um, i'm pretty excited because he's going to accompany his father they're a great duo and team together and they're going to go over there they're leaving probably you know wheels up in about um 30 minutes actually so they're going to be on the ground all day there today visiting a number of different sites and you know bringing a tremendous amount of relief, 10 tractor trailers and a lot of resources. But, you know, he's someone who never left America behind. He might not be in the White House, but, you know, real leaders step up when it matters most. And that's what he has done. And it is a sharp contrast to the juxtaposition to Joe Biden, who puts America last. And I'm not kidding. Look at the facts. 
look at the evidence. Where was he on President's Day? He would rather go and chase around, you know, future deals in Ukraine than come and be here in Ohio and actually care about the Americans that are suffering. What has Pete Buttigieg done? Nope, personal time, whatever. Kamala's chasing around, like, you know, Fred Flintstone and electric vehicles. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, it's a clown show. It's just craziness. And, you know, who do we have to rely on? Once again, the man that we can always rely on and trust that actually cares about the people in this country and puts America first, and it's President Trump. And I don't say that because he's my future father-in-law. I say it because I know the man for 18 years. I know him well. And I know the job that he did for this country when he was in the White House. He actually showed the office respect by getting things done, you know, record numbers for the economy, infrastructure, manufacturing, technology. And we were well-respected, Sid, on the national and international stage. Do you think we'd be getting punks like this by China with the balloon situation, ridiculous, or North Korea or Russia? I mean, it's just it's terrifying. People should actually be very concerned because your vote does matter. Do you think, though, in the end, Kimberly, and I am still, of course, uh, in your father-in-law's corner. If the election was today, he's got my vote, not even a question about it. But do you think, even though Tim Scott's going to hop in, Mike Pompeo, we saw just uh, last week, Nikki Haley, Haley, right? Uh, I I call this the Donnie Ronnie show. This is your father-in-law against Ron DeSantis. That's it. (laughs) I mean, the Donnie Ronnie show. Do you feel the same way it comes down to two men? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Ron DeSantis has done a great job in uh, Florida. I like him here as our as our governor, and I'm sure his time will come. But the time for Trump to continue this Trump train and getting the job done is now. You know, with that experienced leadership, um, he's been in the White House. He did a phenomenal job. There's no guessing games about it. He has overwhelming support. I have traveled across this entire country with him for years. And the enthusiasm is just unprecedented. I think he's doing even better than he has before because people really see the difference. Sometimes you need to see it to say, oh, wow, we had it really good under Trump. You know, we want to keep that winning up. And he doesn't need to do this. Are you kidding me? Every single day he's got some kind of investigation or lawsuit will say, you know, my Kimberley, it's Tuesday. No one sued, sued me yet. It's 11 a.m. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Pretty good. Because, Pretty good. you know, it's ridiculous. That's what they do. And then he wins them. You know, he wins them all. And then, you know, what are you going to say? It's like they're just trying to stop him because he's that good. And, you know, the establishment and the liberals and the Democrats, you know, they want to they don't want to deal with Trump because Trump gets it done. He makes them all look bad and they want to change this country. They're globalists and we're not. One thing about you, though, and again, we've spent the last like four minutes talking about Donald Trump, and I love him, too. And uh, obviously, he's our choice for president. But go, getting to know you over the years, Kimberly, you have so many interests. And I know so many people in different genres. I know actresses. I know models. And they all follow you on Instagram. And they all love you. So I don't want the people uh, to get the be disillusioned that your show on the Rumble, or Rumble, I should say, is going to be Kimberly talking Donald Trump all the time. Because you've got a much larger life than that. I, I really do. Thank you for pointing it out. Yeah, I've worked as a special education teacher, as a prosecutor. You know, I've worked in modeling, television, you know, movies, all of the above. I'm a big sports fan like you. So um, I'm going to be talking about all of it. I'm going to be mini Sid, okay? <laughs> I'm going to get out there Great. and I'm going to get after it. I'm going to tell you everything about, you know, what I think, whatever's going on, whether it's, you know, what I think about the Royals, who I actually you know, know, I had Camilla Parker Bowles on my uh, honeymoon at one point. Is terrible. that right? But, yeah, uh huh. It's true. We were. Wow. Yeah, you can't make it up. Really the can. people that I've met, the uh, paths that I have crossed, it's pretty unbelievable. 
So, yeah, but I'm looking forward to it because, you know, I really love connecting with the people. And, you know, as you know, as one of the people that founded, you know, The Five and Outnumbered, um, great shows and great people that I work with that I'm still very close to to this day. And I want my show to be a little bit of a mix of that. Like, nothing is off limits. We're just going to get after it. We're going to have fun. I'm going to have great guests. I have the most beautiful desk. It's a clear desk. And I'm going to apologize to no one for when you see my legs. I hope you enjoy it. That's great. This is America. And if I want to wear a skirt or a dress, I'm going to wear it. (laughs) As you should. You're beautiful. Uh, And now, listen, because next Thursday is your first show, the expectation is maybe it'll be be Trump, a first show. I don't know. Uh, But the first show, I have to imagine you come flying out of the box with somebody big or no. We're not sure yet. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's still a, a, a tried, honestly, it's a work in progress because I'm still uh, going over and reviewing guests. But the good news is I'm going to have a lot of fun because I'm going to do it live from CPAC. So oh, you are? I'm pretty excited. Yes, I am. I'm going to launch it from there. Awesome. I'll be there. You'll see me. Check me out over there on Media Row. And there's going to be a, a tremendous amount of great Americans, America First Patriots, interesting guests. And so we'll be Pulling them on, and Don Jr. is going to join me at some point towards the end. I told him, I'll see. I'll see if he's going to make the cut. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually got a friend in Boca. No, yeah. Yeah. I got a friend in Boca. She's also very lovely, by the way. And her name is Hadass Levy. I think you know who she is. She's actually going to be at CPAC next week, also, Hadass. And uh, that's a very, very exciting week uh, coming up, and you're going to be there. And this is a very, very big thing for you, an exciting thing for you. I'm very, very happy for you. I will be watching. Watching it twice a week. Yes, yes. Four years campaigning and trying, fighting for this country, and I really think I have even more to offer from all my years, obviously television experience, and now seeing the whole country and traveling and talking to the folks out there. So I'm going to be really excited. I'm also going to be on Locals, which is going to allow for some really special behind-the-scenes content. I might be doing some cooking stuff, everything that people who follow me will be able to check out. So it's going to be really free-flowing and a lot of fun. And then I'm also relying a lot, you know, on viewer um, feedback and comments because, like you do, you want you want to hear what the folks are saying and what they're interested in, what they like, what you'd like you to, you know, talk about. And so it's going to be very interactive that way with a lot of back and forth, um, you know, and play between the uh, the viewers and the listeners, which, you know, we didn't really have. Um, you know, in traditional media stuff like they had at Fox. So I think it's going to be really great. People are going to like the personalized experience. If you ever need the number one radio host in New York City to stop by the program, I'd be more than honored to do it. I'm really happy for you. You're Amazing. great at this. Thank you, Kimberly. Oh, well, you're great at it, too. You're a great friend. God bless you. Thank and God you. bless all of your listeners, okay? You, too. Love you. Thank you, Kimberly. Go get them. Go get them. Boy, now it's time for Sid's Take. Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Another day, another wonderful, fun, jam-packed edition of uh, the Peerless Boilers Sid's Take Contest. Phil, will you get in here and shut the damn door? Phil, get in here and shut the door. All right, I'm on it. God. Uh, the game, once again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. What, take, what's, take some solo. I mean, it's a crazy. He's, He's got to talk to like four million people on the way. It's, it's four feet away. Come on, let's go. Oh, now he's going to sit in here, so I have to look at him the whole time. This is really great. This is turning into a disaster. I didn't even finish. I have to finish. You got to go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. 
to find a dealer near you, Phil. The door! Because, yeah, because they're America's best built boilers. <laughs> anyway, our contestant for today's game, Rick, out in New Jersey. By the way, I'm Justin Ellick. You know the name. Hey, now. I'm your host of the game. We're closing the door. Yeah. Hey, Rick. What's going on? Hey, how you doing, Justin? I'm good, man. Uh, you're out in New Jersey. Whereabouts? Elmwood Park. Oh, how about that? Very cool, man. All right, you ready for today's game? It's uh, Which Came First Wednesday. I'm going to give you two uh, events, historical events, whatever they are, uh, sports-related, uh, history-related, all that good stuff. And uh, you're going to tell me which came first. How about that? Okay, go uh, for it. All right, here we go. Number one, the Titanic sank on its maiden voyage, or Congress declared war on Germany entering World War One. Uh, war, Germany first. What? What now? And he said war. The, the war first. Oh, no. Oh. No. <laughs> nope. The uh, correct answer would be the Titanic. It sank in 1912, and the war started in 1917. Number two, which came first, Jim Morrison was found dead in a bathtub, or Black Sabbath released their debut self-titled album. Oh, boy. Mm. Let's go with Morrison. Not very lucky on those guesses so far, Rick. Uh, Black Sabbath released their debut album in 1970, and uh, Jim Morrison found dead in 1971. All right, on to number three, over to thus far. Let's go for a correct answer here. LeBron James won his first NBA championship, or Steve, uh, Stephen Curry was drafted by the Golden State Warriors. Uh, not a sports fan. Let's go with LeBron. I'd say let's go with Steph Curry, because that's the correct answer. Steph Rick should Curry. not bet any money on a coin flip <laughs> yeah. anytime soon. Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't buy a lot- lottery ticket anytime soon, Rick, okay? Don't, don't you guys have any science questions? Yeah. Tails. Well, I'm trying. Tails. I'm trying here. H- All right. H2O. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rick. Rick, over three. On to, on to number four. Dale Earnhardt Sr. died in the Daytona 500, or Dale Earnhardt Jr. won his first Daytona 500. Uh, Dale Earnhardt died first. There we go. We're on the board. We're on the board. We're on the board, Ricky. One for four for Rick. Dale Earnhardt died in 2001, and his son won his first Daytona 500 2003. On to number five. One for four. In an attempt to go two for five, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars, or Joe Biden fell off that bike. Do you remember when he fell off the bike, Rick? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just trying to think. Mm-hmm. Um, think he I won't think, save it. I think Chris was first. Oh my God! That is a spectacular, damn right, Jack. Closing effort out of Rick, getting the last two questions correct. Going two for five in today's game, and now we attempt to uh, reel in the big fish here. This was like uh, Lewis. I went deep sea fishing in Costa Rica, and I had a. Big uh, King Bull Mahi Mahi on the line. Oh, I, could, I love this story. I could see it flipping around from, from 100 yards away. And yeah, I, I had it within five feet of the boat. And, and? Uh, and um, I, I can't find him, so I'm just going to play the game. And then the line hit the boat, and the, the line snapped, and the, the, the fisherman... What are you possibly talking about? Cap- Captain Howard got all upset at me. He wanted to brag to all his fishermen. Hurry up, oh. Chief. Time's a waste. I was like, Captain Howard, this is yeah. literally the first well, time dude, I've ever held a rod. What are you possibly talking about? I don't know. It, uh, can, what, you, what, this shark will what do you, what do you do? He's been trying to figure out how to uh, download the Rumble app. Is, oh. So he can... Uh, uh, back to the show. So he can... Kimberly just texted me, and I quote... Well, you read it. Okay. 
Love you, so proud of you. Oh, that's so nice of her. Kind of nice. Yeah. Love wow, you, so proud of you, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Wow. How about that? Oh. How about that? I'm a big star. Very high praise. Well, yeah. only, uh, you know, small-time stars don't get seven sixes, bro. You're right about that. How about that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. You're right about that. How do you do? To, uh, uh, he went two for five. Sean Bradley was seven six. That's right. Good point. Oh, Out of BYU. Played for the Nets, the 76ers, and others. Dallas. Good job, uh, Philly. That's it. It's good All good. right. Let's blow, uh, let's blow through the, there we the go. damn thing here. Number one, which came first? The Titanic sank on its maiden voyage, or Congress declared war on Germany entering World War One. World War One. Mm. Son of a bitch. Titanic, 1912. World War One, 1917. Oh, I thought it was 22. That's why. Okay. Mm. I think it was on my birthday, like April 19th or something like that. Oh. Know. How'd you I, celebrate? Maybe the 20th. I don't know. <laughs> so, with the Titanics? Yeah. Is that how you celebrate? Yeah. I suck at these games. Oh, yeah, for one. No, 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 Pete Morgan told me yesterday, because he has sponsored all these games from Beat Bernie to Beat Sid, that he believes these new versions that we've been doing the last couple of months are far and away the best mm-hmm. of all the games he's ever done. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to Macedonia Bill for writing them and Justin for hosting them. Well, I'd be inclined to agree there, uh, Pete. Sure. 7-6. Yeah. Big friend of the program. <laughs> uh, on to number two, Jim Morrison was found dead in a bathtub or Black Sabbath released their debut self-titled album. Black Sabbath. How about that? Oh, Morrison is buried in what European country? My wife went to the graveside. Denmark. Oh. Let's see if they got it. Holland. No. Very, uh, horrible guess. No. You want to guess, Philly? Denmark. Even worse. It's got a big... Tony Parker is from there, the former San Antonio... Ah. France? Uh, Romania. France, very good. Yes. No, France. Very good. When, you, Romania, when you say found you? dead, that implies someone <laughs> lost him. <laughs> zip it, Number Bill. three. Number three. <laughs> one for two. LeBron James won his first NBA championship, or Stephen Curry was drafted by the Golden State Warriors. Oh, LeBron. Mm. Really? Stephen Curry drafted in 09. LeBron wins in 2012. This game is tough. Right? It's a hard game. I, it's uh-huh. very, a hard, very, it. very hard game. I don't game. like it. I One it. for three. On to number four. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Sr. died in the Daytona 500, oh. or his son Jr. won his first Daytona 500. That's a great question. It is. Did he die? Did they, I know he died in Brookline. Uh, Dale Earnhardt. That was in the Daytona 500? Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Who wrote the, claim, the question? He did. Oh, it was me. Oh, but you don't even know. No, I just assumed. We know. I just assumed. I'm going to go with... uh... Oh, there it is. I'm going to go with the uh, the dad died first. Yep. Spectacular. 2001 versus 2003. Did I win? No, not yet. You're going to need this one to win. On to number five. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars or Joe Biden. He fell off that bike. Oh. Well, Will Smith was just last year. Mm. Biden was also about last year. Mm. Well, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with um, Biden fell off the bike. Uh-huh. Oh, you eat me, you... God, I knew it was the other one, too. you got to think about it. The Oscars are, are in the winter. The right? Oscars are in the winter. Right. And why would Biden no, be riding a bike? No, the Oscars are in April, aren't they? February. No, no they're like this weekend. Oh. And, and, they're coming up. And when oh. would, what, why would you be riding a bike in the winter? I don't what could have happened in the winter, uh, summer of la- the year before, Justin? That's I've, a possibility. I've never, I've never even ridden a bike in my whole life. Yeah, I know. You don't That's know how. That's kind of sad. I don't ride a bike. I feel well, sorry. Because you don't know how to ride a bike. No. You've got to make that abundantly clear. Can you tune a fish? Can I win? You tied. I tied. All right, Rick from New Jersey. Good job. We'll come back and wrap things up. Two-two tie right into this. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
Bernie's favorite song. This is Juan Bono and Mary J. Blige. You too, as we wrap up a U2 day on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Phil, if the show, well, if 10 was as good as it gets, today's number was? A 7.6. Very funny, 7.6. That's the number we got back in January. Phil, Macedonia Phil from downtown. Great job by all of our guests today. It was a special guest day. The mayor was real good. Big day tomorrow, Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, and a host of more surprises. Excellent job, as always, by the Hall of Famer Lou Rufino, Macedonia Phil, Justin Ellick, and Noam Layden. Another monster day as well. God willing, we'll all be back again tomorrow morning for the Thursday edition at 6 a.m. Until then, stay dry. Enjoy your Wednesday in New York City. From the number one show in New York, all of us to all of you. Until tomorrow, folks. accident trust gabo law personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time gabo law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you but don't take our word for it read their five-star reviews from former clients on google avo and facebook call gabo law today 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.